destroy all children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy all children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh-huh. Die Hard is back. <laughs> That's right. In a two-minute film for yeah. Die Hard Batteries. Yes, they offer free installation on Die Hard Batteries. I want to know what the worst part is. What? The best diehards in this diehard with a vengeance. <laughs> kind of. Argyle is back. That's something. That's right. It's more than any. I mean, look, the fourth one had Kevin Smith in it, and he's very funny. Oh, yeah. It also had uh, Justin Long. Very funny, it, also. It Well, okay. So, actually, in that movie's defense, if we're just naming actors that were in Timothy Die Oliphant. Hard 4. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Except, you know, they made it a PG-13 movie, so you don't get to hear him say fuck. Yep. Which is which is a real, like, underuse of Timothy Oliphant's talents. Well, I mean, in Justified, he couldn't say it either, because that was on FX. Yeah, that's why it's uh, not as good as Santa Clarita Diet. Mm, I'm going to disagree else. with that. Oh, uh, Justified is better. Santa Clarita Diet, very good. Still angry they canceled yeah. that. Um but well, not not still <laughs> was it was very good yes i'm saying i hold yeah. on to the fact that it is it was good oh. i'm saying you know but still as in like yes but that's beside the point santa clarita mm-hmm. diet was good uh but the elephant also doesn't again. he also doesn't say it in uh once upon a time in hollywood does he I don't think so. I'm not sure. He was just playing like uh, a rapist or whatever <laughs> that guy's deal was. Uh, I'm also pretty sure he does not say it in the Hitman Agent 47 movie. I'm I think so. Sure, they did not have. Pretty sure they. I think he did. I don't know. They don't they remember. made they made the Hitman say fuck. Possibly. I mean, nothing else huh. about that movie was accurate, so why not? Yeah, sure. I mean, they got the look down. Yeah, he's bald. <laughs> oh, he's yeah. got the tattoo. Oh yeah. So they did. They did all they needed to do. I mean, they did all they could to make Timothy Oliphant not look handsome, which is an amazing feat that they pulled off. Yeah. Well, Die Hard is back. Congratulations to Bruce Willis for getting work again. Yeah. He crashed through a glass window, but they didn't do a gag about like having to walk on glass. No. They just had the lady turn around and go, Welcome to, uh, oh god, what was the name of the auto parts store? Yeah, whatever, uh, it doesn't matter. She gave him a battery and then he hit a guy in the head with it, and then the battery got a bullet well, through it, and split he, it in he half, wa- and he just put it in his car and it worked anyway. He waved the battery about two feet from the guy's face, and then he fell down. Sure. Uh, yeah, suspend your disbelief a little bit to enjoy the Die Hard battery commercial. Oh, well. Uh, Yes, I was going to say, not necessarily to just enjoy Die Hard, except for the bad blue screen at the end, but 
The rest of it is raw and real. Yeah. What's this podcast about? What are we doing today? Uh, it's a reviewer of our favorite commercials. Up okay. next, the um, Waza commercial from Budweiser. I was about Budweiser. to say Budweiser, baby. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me News. talk about old cell phone wallpaper commercials. Remember mm. those? Here, all right, here comes Crazy Frog from Jamster. Text QUAG451 to get your giggity giggity ringtone. Alf is here to uh, talk to you about calling collect. That's right. Well, uh, there's uh, two little bits of news. Uh, neither right. of them are especially major, but uh, would be remiss if we didn't. One is fairly major, but okay. Sure, sure. Which is that, uh, what's the name of it? Destruction, destruction Derby All-Stars? All just Destruction All-Stars. All-Stars Derby Destruction? Destruction All-Stars. Destruction Cars destruction All-Stars. Destruction All-Stars. Racing Transformed. Yes. Oh, I wish. Uh, oh, yeah, it would be pretty good. Put Vice uh, from Skies of Arcadia in there. Oh, man. Well, then that would go from me never buying it to being a day one buy. Well, hey, Except guess what? Now, it doesn't matter. You don't have to yeah, buy it anyway. If it, if it was a day one buy for you on the launch of the PlayStation 5, uh, suck it. You're waiting until <laughs> February because that shit's delayed. Triple H comes out to say, suck it. <laughs> Hits a copy of the game with a sledgehammer. Yeah. Shatters the, it into a million pieces. He's the cerebral assassin. <laughs> uh, yes. He, he, he would... He looks like he would be DLC for that game. Like they would do a WWE crossover at some point, and he would sure. get a like sequel to Crush Hour style. Yeah, like give give me a Jim Ross announcer pack available so we can say like Triple H got the twisty rockets like in Crush Hour. That would be good. So you know how I know all these ideas are really good is because this would actually make me buy Destruction All Stars. Yeah. So they're definitely never going to do it. Of course not. Yeah. So anyway, that uh, that's delayed, which kind of a big deal because it's not like there's a whole lot launching on the PlayStation Five, which you know is is kind of understandable. Games are very hard to make nowadays, and there's a lot of console launches that didn't have a whole lot of games. Um, I would say the issue here, here you know, is that considering this is two weeks from release, they realized yeah. they looked at pre-order numbers and were like, nobody is buying this. That sounds about right. Yeah. Also, it's heavily multiplayer focused, so if nobody's buying it, then it's DOA. And so they're doing what I figured they should have done all along, which is just make it a PlayStation Plus game. Just like Rocket League or Fall Guys, which have seen huge success yeah. from that method. Uh, just do that, and then more people will play it, and it'll be a lot better for it in the long run. It's totally unrelated to anything, but while I got news pulled up, I'm seeing a uh, headline on IGN that says Uncharted movie versus Indiana Jones 5, which might be better, and I really hate that that's a comparison that we have to make now. Like, I mean, does it really matter in if Indiana... they both be terrible? Yeah, no, that's what I'm getting at, is that you could even take a look at the Uncharted movie and say, this might be better than a new Indiana Jones. Like, that just says a lot about where Indiana Jones is at and just the sad state of indie yeah it's a bummer yeah uh, although it's really cool that they put that little boy in the nathan drake outfit anyway yeah. it's, it's, just... it's 
like a make a wish thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just went out to uh, like Party City, uh, Halloween Spirit, yeah. and got him a adventurer outfit. And put <laughs> it on right. him. Just do a little bit of a uh, little bit of weathering on that thing, make it look used, and then you have yep. a pretty authentic looking costume. Oh yeah, I've been Don't watching Adam in, Savage's though. One Day Build. I know what to do. Yeah. Don't tuck it in yeah. though. That that would look no. too accurate. You have to have something a little bit off. Yeah. Uh, the other so, bit of news, oh, which wait. is not oh, as big. Okay. Oh. Here. There was something I was going to mention here Which is okay. something I've actually been thinking about in general But This is kind of related to it People always talk about How uh, this console is going to move More towards Digital purchases in general Like obviously they have the digital only versions Of both consoles and Even though they seem to have way lower allotments Than the disk drive versions it Seems like that's kind of the way they're going mm. But I've also talked about how there's not really much of a reason to go digital just because of the price factor more than anything else. However, I was thinking recently about the quick resume feature and just in general like the SSD speeds in the Series X and PS5 and how to me that actually now provides some reason to buy digitally. Because... You want to start up a game, you can just press a button and it starts up. Whereas before, it would take so long to start up a game that you might as well just go put a disc in anyway. Like, it didn't really yeah. matter. Like, if you're already waiting four or five minutes to go from, like, the dashboard to a game starting, like, taking 20 seconds to pop a disc in didn't matter. Now, it's much more of an inconvenient factor, especially if you're switching between multiple at once. So anyway, yeah, I'm just saying, like, that could be... A pretty major factor in the transition to digital over the course of this generation. Just something I was thinking about. Anyway, what's the second piece of news? Well, I, I mean, to kind of add on to what you're saying, though, before completely moving on, like, I know, again, you and I were still going to want to have physical media. I, I'm always going to prefer having the game in my hands and having a physical product that I know that I own. Uh, versus just having it digitally and not knowing, oh, something might happen with that library or they might make it completely inaccessible. You know, kind of looking over at PT, how it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to have to ditch this account for reasons I've gotten into before. And well, okay, there goes this game that I would have otherwise really liked to have enjoyed uh, well, some that, other time. But that I'm not really too concerned I mean, that, about because a lot of times like, there's day one patches, they're sizable and everything. And if something happened to the servers, like that disc might not even really be usable who knows well, I, for me it's more about my crap internet and not wanting to have to download 80 gigabytes or whatever over yeah. uh, well, I mean, two days with, with a with a game on a disc too you can opt out of updates which for some games you may want to do that i know that's more for like speed running freaks and stuff like that but with digital games you can't always opt out of them doing updates on those you can't so, at all, I don't think. I think it just automatically downloads the latest version. I'm saying I, I'm pretty I'm sure it's the case, but only to cover my ass. I just want to say I'm pretty sure I'm not entirely certain that you can or you can't. I, but... I'm not saying an update would break it. I'm saying a not having no. the update might break it. Uh, sure, that can that can be the case. But look, point point is it's going to go all digital eventually. And yeah. like I do think that this is the generation where they're going to push the hardest in that direction. I think it's very likely that the next generation of consoles will not have a disc-based alternative. 
Yes, I uh, would bet on it. I think, th- yeah, I, I think that is unfortunate. I really don't want that to be the case, but I really think that at best you can kind of maybe stymie that, but you're not going to change the fact that there is going to be an all-digital future for games. Like, physical releases are going to be a thing of the past at some point, and it feels like that point is approaching a lot more fast. Yes, a lot so. more fast. A uh, lot more faster. Uh-huh. Okay. Second bit of news. What is it? Uh, don't buy Devil May Cry on the Series X. I'm sorry, Series S. I mean, not that you would anyway, because it's a Series S. But uh, won't have ray tracing in it. What a it shock. It like the Series S is a inferior version of the Series <laughs> X that cannot do the things that the Series X is able to do. It's so almost, right out of the gate. It's almost as though the Series S is just an Xbox One X with an SSD in it. Absolutely. Uh, so case in point. You a 500 gigabyte SSD for a digital only console. Mm-hmm. With 200 with of that taken up by OS. Happening? Yep. Yeah. So... Go get uh, yourself a $200 one terabyte upgrade, so then you will have one and a half terabytes instead of a better console with one terabyte. God, the Series S is such a fucking mess. It is. Nobody should buy it. No. So, again, Devil May Cry 5, uh, the special edition will not support ray tracing on Series S. Uh, it will, however, still allow frame rates up to 100. 120 frames per second, uh, enhanced 3D audio, reduced load times, which of course is going to be running off an SSD. Uh, it will include legendary Dark Knight difficulty and uh, turbo mode and playable virtual. So yeah, basically like everything that is in that thing except for ray tracing, because again, it's the Series S. Yeah, it ain't going to do that shit good. I mean, even on Series X and I believe PS5, the ray tracing mode caps out at 30 frames per second. So I would turn that off Personally Yeah no I mean Because I don't care about reflections I mean I would prefer that I would be able to enjoy All the rest of that stuff Plus ray tracing added on top Which is why I would not buy a Series S I guess so Except like Like I I said Even if you were playing on Series X with ray tracing on, it's 30 frames per second, so sure. no thanks. Have you seen the uh, footage that they put out in the last few days of uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales? Yes. Looks real that stuff good. Looks, yes, it does. Like, that is, I think, so far been the best sell for me for ray tracing is the reflections that game look amazing. Like, that thing seems to be running very smoothly, too. I, yeah, like, I'm really that, excited that's for one that where I would maybe play with it on if it is a smooth 30. Um, otherwise, yeah. eh Again, like, I just I don't really get the hype Behind ray tracing I understand it, I understand that it's a leap forward But to me, it is not worth the performance hit Sure Now you turn the tress effects on You see, and then you get less f- frames But, like, it looks really good Now, well, hey Tress effects, now that's worth it Yeah Stress effects is a thing that should have really caught on, and then yeah, well, yeah. people got upset about the uh, weird spaghetti monster hair that Lara had if it bugged out. I don't know. That sounds like a feature, not a bug, to me. That's what I thought. 
yeah, Miles Morales looks great. Uh, the floors, especially like in the mall, in that segment where you're like riding Rhino oh, around, yeah. look real good. Yeah, like that bit where you bust through the floor and it shatters into a million pieces. Well, that's not ray tracing. I know. I'm just saying that also just looks really good. Oh, just kind well, of yes. everything about that game looks great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, I, the, the original first had very good. Looked really good, like especially like the end where you fight Doc Ock on the side of the yeah. building and everything. Had a lot of cool stuff in it. Anyway, the texture details in the original like were really, really, really impressive, and I'm glad that they, uh, you know, there's a lot of zooming in on Miles's suit, just seeing all the detail on that. It looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Excited to play it. Only two weeks away uh, by the time this podcast actually goes up. That's right. Yeah. We'll be out on a Thursday, which means that there's no sense in us doing any kind of coverage, like, <laughs> around launch, because we'll, like, you know, we'll end up saying a bunch of stuff, and then a few days later we have to do the podcast, and then we'll have nothing. So. Good times. All right. Yeah. Uh... I Video have, games are back! I've still been playing... Die Hard is back! Yep, Die Hard is back. <laughs> it's been too long. It has, yeah. We've since, all missed uh, John McClane. That's right. What was the last one? Uh, a Good Day to Die Hard. That, okay, yeah. And he was in Russia, and it was with his son. Yeah. Uh, who, I think it was one of those things that they've done a lot with these uh, aging action stars of the 80s where they're like, Here's this guy's son uh, going to pass the reins on to them, and then they never do because even, the son character always sucks. Don't even remember who played his son in that movie. Mary Elizabeth Winstead was his daughter. Yeah. I know that. Uh, I don't remember who played his son either. Uh, but it, like it's definitely Luke like Shia Evans, probably and, like some sort of yeah. nondescript white actor guy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I've con- continued to play 13 Sentinels, almost done with it. I am at like 89% completion, I think, in the story. Boy, I hope that game isn't going the way I think it is, because if it is, gonna be not happy. I'm pretty sure it is. I think so too. But And to be clear, I'll the direction it. you think it's going in is that it's a meta thing. That yes. this is it is acknowledging that it is a video game. Yes, I think yeah. that's what's happening. Look, I'll say I, okay. Spoilers for an unrelated game. If you play point-and-click adventure games, Thimbleweed Park did it better. I will say, mm. um, Thimbleweed Park is a very good game. Yes, it is, and it actually yeah. had like hints and everything leading up to that before it happened. Yeah. Which 13 Sentinels like is a... really not Where it was so far it seems like it's kind of Just going to be dumped in here at the end <sighs> Yeah I don't know though I mean, it, the, every... it could, may, Maybe they'll pull it off Maybe it'll be good I don't know <laughs> Okay So my main very... issue My main issue recently is that it hit a real lull In the story And I'm going to say I will admit part of this is my fault because the way I've been playing it is I just played character stories straight through um, And I would put off the ones that I thought were more plot relevant Till the end 
like uh, Yori Fuyusaka, who is like one of the most prominent characters on the game box, one of the first ones you play as. You would think that she would be really integral to the plot, and no, not really. Like nothing happens in her entire story. So the ones that you have already played that you thought were not going to be relevant are they now in fact the ones that are the most relevant? In some cases. Um, Yuki Takamiya is Ogata I thought would be completely ancillary But he's he's not really Central to it But he does maybe have more significance Than I thought he would have um, Juro Karabe definitely Has a lot of significance But he's also the main guy So that makes sense um, A Sekigahara, Miura A lot of the characters actually do have Quite a bit of significance It's just that for some reason Fuyusaka Like nothing happens in her story It's really weird mm. But yes I So Admitting that I did that I will also say I place most of the blame On the game's developers Because This has a gating system To stop you And like make you play Other character stories Like it'll be like You have to have completed the the exterminators event from Natsuko Minami's story before you can continue stuff like that and they should have done that a lot more because as it is um it do- there's nothing really that dissuades you from playing it the way I did there there were a lot of times when I would be playing and then it's just like it's locked oh I can unlock it and just continue on like near the end of the game I was hitting locks on some characters that were like you have to have unsealed three mystery files to continue. Currently, you have unsealed 56. And it's like, <laughs> all right, I guess I should have played this character way earlier. Who knows? So, so this is the thing that with everything else that you've described about this game, and just the weird way it tells its narrative and the, the stuff with like time travel and multiple versions of characters, and I got a VHS tape, and this cat is telling me to shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. Like It would be more surprising to me if they do not get into some sort of meta commentary about it being a video game and what like your role as the player is in shaping the story inside of that game. No, like it, it just it it feels like with like, all the other weird crap it does, of course it would have some sort of meta contextual thing to say. No, so far there's like been nothing meta about it, except for here at the end. The only thing is well, that, that in that... the battles, the characters for sure. some reason will quote like Hamilton and in insurance commercials. I don't know why. <laughs> I like I always thought that was weird, but then just thought like I don't know, maybe the translation team's having fun with it or something. Um, oh, the general. Yeah, here comes the general. Oh, uh, you mean uh the general? No, no it, the, it's um yeah. Hijiyama says like oh, I guess sometimes life does come at you fast or something. And um Miura says like I'm not throwing away my shot. So like. It's weird stuff like that um, And when I had mentioned like, they, they say like that famous author That wrote H uh, Or wrote War of the Worlds There is a mystery file where you can see the book And it very obviously does not have an author Name in it That's weird So well that's what I'm saying it, It's going to turn out like either One of the characters actually wrote it Like Natsuko Minami wrote it Under the pen name H.G. Wells Or something later I don't know It's going to have something Stupid That stuff reminds me of Animorphs I'm not going to let you talk much... about Animorphs 
I'm not going to talk about it. I just want to mention this this one thing from it that that relates to <laughs> You're this. coming in here like the, age, the long lost agent <laughs> Philip Jeffries saying we're not going to talk about animorphs. We're not going to talk about animorphs at all. Oh hell no, goddamn baby. I got to talk about the Yurks. Yeah. Uh, the Yurks feed on Garmin Bosia. Do you know who that is? I I pointed Agent Cooper, who I know is a controller. Yeah. Yurks got him. They're in his yeah. head. They're wrapped around his brain. It's uh, Visser no, five. No, like an animorphs. No, it's Visser three. Whatever. Visser, there's Visser three. There's Visser one. There's Visser two. But Visser two is not important. Okay. Anyway. They bring up real-world brands in Animorphs, from what I remember, like Blockbuster is is brought up by name a few times. And then I think like one of the entrances to the Yurk pool is inside like a McDonald's, where you yep. have to order like a secret menu item. That actually, lets, they I take you back this. and they lead you down. Yeah, it's... God, Animorphs is real dumb and also very good. I feel like that's way more that's common in books, though. Yeah, but like... I guess it's a thing that's always been like a weird uh, sort of like an, an inconsistency in storytelling. I don't know, there's probably a better way to describe this, but like you'll have something like The Simpsons where they will dance around real world brands and they will give them really just terrible names. Like instead of Apple, it's like Mapple or something yeah. like that. Like Apple, they don't Apple, even Apple, try to come Apple, up with... Apple. Yeah, they don't even try to come up with like a comparable analog. They just like change a letter, and so then it sounds weird and dumb and terrible and cringy, and I don't like it. But then like you have other stuff where they will just straight up say like, "Oh, that's Blockbuster. That's yeah. a go to the McDonald's to get to the York Pool." Uh huh. So like, I mean, Thirteen that... Sentinels is a is a good like they're mentioning War of the Worlds, but they won't mention the author of War of the Worlds. So it's like taking both of those. And kind of like playing around with it, and it, it drives me insane. And I'm not, I'm not even playing the game. Well, it's also, so, I, I think War of the Worlds is public domain, so they could say that anyway. Oh, that's a good. I um, didn't consider that. Yeah. But all right, I'll just say the part of the plot here is that the I'll just say like the controlling, like the the computer controlling. The place they are in uh, was created using part of a code from a video game in the future. Uh And the mystery file you can find for that game shows it, and it has like a box that's like, it's for the VS5 or something, and it specifically says it was developed by Vanillaware. So... Yeah. Anyway... Spoilers for 13 Sentinels uh, Okay also Here's my main problem With the game though so far When I play A visual novel I want there to be Gameplay of some sort And so this has the tactical battles But they're very short there's not a whole lot of them I would guess probably Two hours total as I, I kind of thought, I tried to calculate this out. If each battle takes about five minutes, there are like 30 stages, and that would be about two hours. A two and a half, I think. You know what this Do sounds you... to me is like you would enjoy a little game called Police Knots. No. So. <laughs> little game called Snatcher. No. I've played that one. Well, but... I'm out of visual novels. It's the only two that I know. 
I mean, I would say Snatcher is probably an adventure game. Nah. It, well, okay. I think I think that's being a little bit charitable, but I can see how you might be able to kind of stretch the genre out well, and make it be that. Okay, well, that's kind of my point here, though, is that straight-up visual novels, I do not like. No interest. Yeah. I do not want to play them. If it's just like, here are some pictures, you are pressing a button to move through dialogue, every once in a while you make a choice, no thanks. Make a book. Yeah, I'm not a child, freak. I don't need a picture book, I read Animorphs. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing but text. Yeah. Um, how 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 many Batman comics do you have? Um, over fifty at least. Okay. Well, yeah. my point my point is all the visual novels I've... I've enjoyed have a heavy gameplay element to them. Like, uh, Phoenix Wright is <laughs> essentially an adventure game. Uh, Danganronpa, same. Like, Danganronpa is basically just Phoenix Wright, really, in a different setting. Um. Larry, I just realized that I'm not sure which I own more of Batman comics or Nintendo 64 games. Well, that's a terrible existence. Oh, God. Um, but what I was going to say is... Rundle's Suicide Watch 2020 has begun. The ones that are maybe closest to just a straight-ahead visual novel that I enjoy are the Zero Escape games, but even those have the puzzle elements in between. Uh, the first is definitely the closest because that is just like a lot of text and then occasional puzzles and then uh the second and third have more interaction because they actually added the uh the flow charts so you can see where you're like how the story's taking place where it's branching you can move between them and solve the puzzles that way and everything so this one is just mostly that it's just watching these scenes and they go on and then occasionally they'll be like you've unlocked more battles I'm like great and then I exit and go to the other menu and play through the battles and then 20 minutes later I'm done and it's back to the story when you do actual battle stuff it's just here's a cut going to a battle it's not like you're in some sort of like exploratory phase where you're moving through an area and then battles trigger no I've told you this I've told you this before it's a separate menu Okay, so what I would want out of a kind of game like that, like if you're going to have JRPG battles, is if you lean just a little bit harder in that direction and have like, you know, you still have visual novel style storytelling, but then when you go to your gameplay segment, maybe you're exploring through an area, like, you know, make it like a first person thing so it still kind of fits with that sort of visual novel like style, and then battles trigger within that view. But okay, um... Well, I'm trying to say what I want is Snatcher. But that won't... <laughs> That's, I'm taking the long walk back to Snatcher. The thing is also... You should play Snatcher. No. The thing is also that oh, wouldn't even God. work because all of the battles it take would... place after the story. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that way that they structure it all. Where yeah. all the stories before the... Well, because like, the, the, yeah. ki- the yeah. kaiju don't appear until the end of each story. Otherwise, like they would all be destroyed. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, the like that that I think is interesting. I like that. But yeah, the the battles being really short and really easy is also kind of a bummer. Um mm-hmm. like I have all these points that I could dump into stats if I want, but every character basically has one attack that you have to use and that's it. Like the melee characters use destruction blade which ignores armor and does a whole lot of damage. Just upgrade that all the way, and they don't need to use anything else. 
uh, any character mm-hmm. who can play sentry guns, just have them keep placing sentry, sentry guns by the end of the battle. It's just, they're like constantly firing off real guns at enemies. Um, and same for ones like uh, that have interceptors, which are these little flying drone things. And by the end, again, you'll have huge swarms of those. They also ignore armor, which is kind of messed up. So do the sentry guns, I think. Um, and, uh, oh, leg spike for Takamiya, which is also like way overpowered. Uh, does a lot so of damage you, and also overheats the larger kaiju, so it's really useful. When you talk about this stuff, though, like this specific part of the game where you're actually in the mech, you're fighting kaiju, you're doing stuff, it's just really making me want to hurry up and get to the front mission games already. Like on my list. A front mission's better than this. I'm, well, sure, I've never played a front mission and I've certainly not played 13 Sentinels and I have no plans to do that because I don't have 80 hours in the near future to devote to a visual novel mm-hmm. um, but I'm pretty I'm, sure Front Mission is better than 13 Sentinels honestly but like, I, I'm playing this out of my devotion to Vanillaware even though I did not like Dragon's sure. Crown uh, I liked Odin Sphere a whole lot and I like Muramasa quite a bit I wish they had done an HD port of that I'm surprised v- they haven't Vanilla Vanillaware has a style that I'm yeah. way into, but like I'm not so sure I'm into the gameplay parts of their games. Like they're always something that I can kind of like appreciate from a distance, but I never want to actually pick up and play their games. Well, the thing is, Odin Sphere had like some of this visual novel stuff. It had some of the like different plot lines for different characters. That was all there in that. And in fact, Grim Grimoire was like a real-time strategy game, but viewed from the side. And that was a pretty cool game. And so it mm. it's kind of taking elements from this stuff, uh, sort of combining it in a way, except without the stuff I liked from Odin Sphere, which is like the side-scrolling action and the weird, like, planting things and moving between, like, orbs. I guess, like, spheres or whatever that you're moving on. Mm. But yeah, I don't yeah, know. Like- I'll well, have it finished by stuff, next I've... week, probably, and then I'll be able to tell you if I hate it or not. <laughs> I don't know. It already sounds like you're not having a good time. I've had a good time through most of it. I'm not a fan yeah, of this twist that... here. Because it, it seems, seems like... like you're hitting a wall. Well, after I got through the Fuyusaka stuff, um, there was some good stuff after that, and I've not finished everybody's story yet. I can't even like start Godo's. Because his is like, you do the pro, uh, the prologue for him, and then it's like, okay, now you can continue once every other character is at least 80% done. So that was cool. But that's the kind of thing I think should be more frequent with other characters yeah. also. Well, I just want to play Front Mission. Can't do it, though. New consoles are, again, like two weeks away. What well, you have, played... Uh, Three Le- games I'm playing right now. Play Left Alive, the newest game in the Front Mission series. The I'd worst, rather play 13 Sentinels. Worst game of the generation, Left Alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, Front Mission is something that has always... Uh, I've always been very curious about it. I remember seeing it in uh, like EGMs back in the day, and you know, even at that point, I was like, "Ooh, I like mechs. I have a PlayStation Two. I should play this game." And then I could never find it. 
from Mission Four like eluded me. Um, so now it's on the list, and I found a copy on the World Wide Web. So I don't know that I ever played four. I played three, and then I also played the weird like third person shooter one, which See, was not good. Three, three seems like it's probably totally fine and fun and that maybe I should play it, but also, like, Front Mission 4 seems like exactly just that game again, and probably better. So I think, probably. like, this is just an assumption, but it seems to me, like, there's no point in playing Front Mission 3 when 4 exists. Well, yes. I mean, when I played Front Mission 3, 4 did not exist, so... There yes, you go. you're probably right. I don't know. <laughs> There you go. Uh, I've also like done a little bit of research on this because I figured, oh, maybe this is a franchise. I, I should go in order to better understand the story. And from what I had read online, all the front missions, they do take place in the same continuity, but they're in totally different regions with totally different characters, and none of them really link up in any significant way. So you don't need to play them in order. You can pick up any front mission and be totally fine. Yeah. So... Um, so that said, I had removed Front Mission 3 from my list and I replaced it with that weird-ass SNES front mission that is, like, actually a side-scrolling shooter. Oh, Because yeah. that thing also seems really interesting to me. Okay. And it looks dope. The The graphics in that game are really good. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, quick question for Halloweenery. Uh, did you ever play uh -huh. Dusk, like I asked you to? Well, nope. All right. You know on. how okay. You know how we are. Uh, you know what? I'll save the surprise for later. I'm gonna do something with dusk. All right. Actually, well, I probably should. I probably should just say it right now <laughs> in case anyone listens to this and wants to watch a stream tomorrow or something. I don't know. Uh, we were going to do Failure to Launch this week, but since it is going to take place literally the day before Halloween, I figured maybe instead I should play Dusk. Oh, okay. So I'm going to be streaming some Dusk, and we're going to put off the launch stuff until uh, the following week. So Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll warn you, though. Dusk kind of takes a bit to get going. Like, oh boy. Well, hmm. well, it's like divided into episodes, just like Doom was, and the first episode is kind of whatever. I wasn't really into it, but like immediately into the second episode, it takes off and gets really good. How long would it take me to get through the first episode? Not for uh, an hour, maybe. So I, well, I, I guess it depends. Put on... an hour into this game before doing this. Stream. I guess it depends on how good you are at games. I don't know. Um. Looks like right, my three hours. My total play time for Dusk was seven hours. So you've seen how good I am at golf. I'm pretty sure I can wrap my mind around Dusk. Oh yeah. Anyway, retro corner. Uh, uh yeah, minutes yeah, in, well, it's gonna be a big one. Uh -huh. So here we go. Yeah, so I played a whole lot of Castlevania games, and now we have to talk about them all. This is the, the last uh, episode of Spooktober for 2020, and there is not a spookier gaming franchise than Castlevania. I don't think that's true. Starring Simon Belmondo. I feel like there are spookier franchises from Konami in video <laughs> gaming. Oh, bullshit. Talk about Mystical Science. Ninja starring Goemon. 
I guess the Silent Hill pachinko machine is scarier than anything in the Castlevania franchise. Mm -hmm. So I suppose we should just kind of go through these uh, in in order, um, kind of. Um, it's it's probably best to talk about Castlevania and Castlevania Three at the same time because they're very very similar games. Quick question: uh, Didn't uh -huh. we all do? Didn't we already do this? No, we did uh, Circle of the Moon. Harmony of Dissonance and Aria of Sorrow? I thought in the previous incarnation of the show we did this. I don't think we talked about Castlevania. Alright. Maybe it's just because you never up... shut up about Castlevania in general. I love Castlevania. It is one of my all-time favorite video game franchises. Castlevania's back! Castlevania's back! Starring Bruce Willis as Simon Belmont. <laughs> He's gotta get a battery from Castlevania. Yeah. He just he turns around and hits death in the face with it. He whips a wall and eats a chicken. Yeah, Scythe ends up going through the battery, but he's able to use it anyway. Mm-hmm. I gotta be careful what wall chickens are eating. That's the load bearing wall chicken. It's gonna knock this whole castle down. Alright, Castlevania, <sighs> one and three. Yeah. So the the NES classics, Castlevania one and three. Uh -huh. Only those two are considered <laughs> NES classics. There's what? a second one somewhere in there, but it's fucking shit. It's one of the goddamn worst games of the NES. Yes, it um, is. So I did not play Castlevania until like my late 20s. Uh, I did not ever have them available to me on the NES. Of course, I did not own an NES at the time, but I had access to it pretty regularly. Uh, like, my daycare had one, grandma had one, friends had one. How old are you now, by the uh, way? Like, 45? 32. Uh, that's And true. so... Who's to say? I was trying and to do so... a bit, and you won't even go along with it. Normally, you're the one who Refuse. insists on adherence to a bit, and instead just like, nope, thanks. Okay, go ahead. I've never come across in the wild Castlevania 4. Uh, I don't... I, I think I, I had a friend who was extremely into Symphony of the Night, and so the only time I ever physically came into proximity of an actual Castlevania game is Symphony of the Night mm -hmm. on the PlayStation 1. I've never held a cartridge for a Castlevania game in my life, uh, but I did emulate them all in my late 20s. Uh, so it's been about 20 years now since I played them. Um, but yeah, like it, that series landed very hard with me, and it is now probably one of my all-time favorite video game series. Uh, Castlevania 1 just has an extremely good feel to it. I, I've mentioned this before just last week with Super Ghouls and Ghosts, but I really like these games where you have to very you have to commit to your jumps. It's very stiff, it's very deliberate. Uh, and part of that feeling that it then conveys is when you're just blowing through a level and you get it and you understand the pattern, it feels so fucking good because you feel like you've just mastered the way that character controls and your understanding of the level is perfect. So you can just go right through it. Uh, and that kind of feeling, that's one of the best sensations that video games can give me is where just everything kind of clicks together. And so I, I love Castlevania for that reason. Uh, also, just, man, the whip feels really good when you destroy enemies with it. It's, got, it's just got a really good feel for, like, an NES game. 
Yeah, like I, I would say in general, for an NES game, it holds up remarkably well. I'm not a huge fan of the first one. Uh, I like three a whole lot more. Yeah, but so the first uh, like one for, has... for a first game like on the NES, like compare that to something like Metroid One, and it's miles mm-hmm. ahead of it. Um, yeah, I can appreciate Castlevania One for what it is, uh, and then I don't know like what happened that they took a hard left turn with two. Uh, but they eventually I mean, that was, righted that was the ship. That was a thing for so much games at that time, though. Like, like you Zelda, know, Zelda two. two is a very different game than Zelda one. Uh, Mario two. Technic- well, I mean, Mario oh, no, two is yes. a weird thing where, like, technically yes, but also technically no. Because in Japan, Mario two was basically just a you know an expansion pack <gasps> for what? Mario one. Wait, huh? This is new yeah. information. I okay. never. Is this? Did Hold you on. know gaming? Check this. Check this out. Did you know Mario 2 is actually Doki Doki Panic? What? It was too hard for American <laughs> kids. They were just like, we need some real pussy shit over here in America oh. so the children don't get mad at us. This is turning my world upside down. That's right. You think that it was always in there? You think it was Miyamoto's grand design to make Mario pick up a radish? Guess again, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> You stupid fucker, that was never the plan. Birdo is an apparition. It's not part of the original design, apparition. Whatever. Also an apparition, though, since it's all a dream. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, that's right. There you go. I mean, Miyamoto, uh, he did make Do- Doki Doki Panic, though, so... Still a Miyamoto creation. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that, that's a fact. <laughs> it's not maybe. <laughs> But but yes, like that that is still kind of an example because in America, of course, well known, we had a very different Mario two for Mario one, and then three went back to kind of the formula that Mario one laid out. Super Mario um, USN Day, as it's known in Japan. <laughs> that's right. Thank you, Borat. Um, Borat also, subsequent like, movie th- film available now on Amazon Prime. It's pretty good. I don't want to go on a complete aside here, but I do have a quick question for you. Okay. Is your Borat, like you rewatched the original Borat, is it in 4.3, like inherently? No. Mine's in 4.3. Maybe you got the full screen DVD back then. It was like 2005 or whatever. I think I I did. But the weird thing with that movie is like, I actually think 4.3 ends up making it work better. Yeah, I could see that. Kind of like how the Borat okay. segments in uh, the Ali G show like had that really crappy look, almost like yeah, like season one of Eric Andre show. Yes, where they they've they taped it on a VHS that yeah. already was like just old enough that it was on the brink of failure, right. and then they ran it through like another VHS filter pass like yeah. three times. Because the movie has some of that in the intro, but the actual movie I'm doesn't look sure like that's, that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's part of what they're doing is they're transferring it to other VHS tapes multiple times over, so then it it degrades on each transfer. Um, but I I was not sure because like I was watching that thing the other night and I could not figure out for the life of me like was this movie just always in four three was this like a very intentional way with how they shot it? I don't think uh, so. I, I did always appreciate how the DVD looked like a bootleg. Like, yeah, it's it, like a. Is not live. Is Dimarex like no, just like it's, a yeah. CDR? Is it real? Is it real? No, no. Dimarez. Yeah, 
And it just has the yeah. title like written in Sharpie. Good stuff. Yeah, it's really good. Packaging's great on that thing. Uh, anyway, yeah, it, like I would say Metroid 2 also does fall into that, oh, the sequel's different since like the first Metroid is more about just, okay, I need to unlock new paths and everything, whereas Metroid 2 is you have a certain number of Metroids that have to be killed and the game cannot, like, you can't complete it until a certain number of those are gone. So, like, they structure it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that is also something that Metroid has never really gone back to outside of the, the remake of Metroid 2. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, the, the, the second Castlevania veers in this very different direction from the first, whereas it stops being this get from point A to point B action platformer and is instead more exploration-based, but then famously suffers from this very poor translation. So where you need to go, what you need to do, who you need to talk to is very obtuse. There's nothing within the game itself that really gives you solid direction. Well, the game and like, then on actively top of that, lies to you, in fact. Yes, yeah. Australia gives you incorrect information at multiple points throughout the adventure. And then, like, on top of that, you have the day-night cycle, and every time it kicks in, it takes fucking forever for the box to pop up, for it to tell you, oh, what a horrible night for a curse, and then for it to actually transition over. Mm-hmm. So and there's also, so many, like, starts and stops in it. When it's night, you can't do anything in the towns because all the people have turned mm-hmm. into zombos. That's right. So you just get to wait for it to turn to day again. Just like Sucks. Ninja. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like I enjoyed the first Castlevania a lot. It's a much like it's it's a very focused game. I was gonna say it's much more focused than one, but like of course it's the first in the series, so they kind of just wanted to find the what like figure out what you want to do with it, stick to that, don't get too crazy with it. Um But like the the difficulty in it takes just such a sharp turn at like the third level in that game like castlevania gets absolutely bullshit hard before the end of it uh so i can get people preferring three over one huh which one's the third the third is so castlevania three is overall better balanced uh, it, it's definitely still a hard game but it feels like the ramp no, up uh, in difficulty is more gradual the third level you said it ramps up with the third oh, level i'm sorry uh the third level is the one where you got all the flea men dropping on you and oh, frankenstein is the boss yeah okay yeah that one's so really, like it gets that's not that bad once you figure out how to deal with it which is just like inch forward and kill all the flea men as they drop but if you miss one yes. like once yeah uh, i would actually of, say yeah. The level where you go fight death is probably the hardest one because the it has the uh the checkpoint before that boss fight and that boss fight is is tough. Yeah. Uh but the checkpoint before that is where you have to go from right to left and you have the Medusa, the Medusa heads, heads and then also yep. the knights. Yep. And so if you just lose enough health, the boss just becomes an absolute nightmare to deal with. Like ideally you get there and you got all your health so you can really just kind of fuck around and make some mistakes during the during the death fight, but like that hallway is designed to make sure that you do not get there with full health. Also, uh, most of the bosses will have the weapon that you need that will make them really easy. Easy, like, but it's always early in the level. So then, if you yeah. die later on, you'll go to a checkpoint where now you can't go back and get that weapon, which is yeah. Like the the bad is the axe. Messed up. Medusa is the holy water. No, Medusa's the uh, 
stopwatch. Because you can just it's stop the holy water too. Long. Because well, no, the the holy water will also make her freeze. Yeah, but it's harder. So to it just, it just does like, a ton of damage. She like floats around. Uh, not if you not if you immediately start throwing it because she spawns okay. like on the ground. Well, that, so if that, you just start throwing it right away, she just her health drains. Well, really, holy water is like for most bosses because oh, yeah. Frankenstein yes. and the mummies and also death that you can do it with all um, of them. Dracula himself because he turns into that giant yeah, the second monster. Form. Yeah. Yeah, and so then if you throw the holy water, he just gets stun locked and you beat him before he can even do any damage, do. Yep. Yeah, holy water's overpowered in that game. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh tends to be like pretty good throughout the entire series, but like especially in the fourth one, the holy water kind of just breaks everything. Yeah. Um but yeah, Castlevania 3, I think that its its difficulty ramps up more gradually. It it feels like a much more fair game that when I die in Castlevania 3, it feels more like it's my fault than necessarily the game was just trying to dick me over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 3 introduces multiple paths. So your route through your route through the areas outlying Castlevania and then through Castlevania itself will be different depending on what upper and lower pathways you take when you complete levels. And depending on what pathways you take, you can unlock different partner characters. And you only have one partner at a time. So if you meet a new one and you want them, you're going to have to switch out with the old one. But your partners... So, of course, you start out with the Belmont. Uh, their, their attack is the whip. Uh, they have all the different sub weapons that they can use from the other game, uh, but then you have Sypha, uh, uh, who is a, a a mage. She has a different spell books she can get, so she has like an ice attack that can freeze water that makes some levels a lot, a lot easier to get through. Um, you have Alucard. Maybe you've heard of him. Mm-hmm. He is a vampire. His name is Dracula backwards. Yep. Did you know that Alucard's Dracula backwards? Yes. Oh. I did. Please subscribe to Did You Know Gaming for more fun game trivia. Grant Dynasty? Yeah. Yeah, Grand yeah, Nasty like, is a motherfucker. He's a little <laughs> Spider-Man just crawling on walls and throwing knives and shit. I'd say he's probably the most overpowered character too, just being able to Kinda, crawl on ceilings yeah. and walls. Grant is great for just completely circumventing a lot of tricky platforming, but he's not that good for taking out enemies because he has a little tiny dagger and yeah. so like you have to get really close to deal with things. Uh, and then kind of the way that they encourage you not to just constantly be swapping between the characters is similar to Castlevania 2. It's a very long transition. So like you select who you want, and then the guy that you have starts flickering, and then they go away, and then the guy you want comes in flickering, and it, it takes entirely too long to swap between them. Uh, so I, I find with that game, I tend to just kind of commit to one character per level because I don't want to keep jumping back and forth. Um, but yeah, Alucard he can also turn into a bat and fly around, so you can also circumvent a lot of uh platforming with him as well. Yeah, really good for that bit um near the end with the the clock pendulums like going back and forth. Oh, it yeah. really sucks. Yeah, the NES slows down a whole hell of a lot on that yeah. part of the game. And just general, I feel like, like sort of the platform detection there. Is pretty oh, difficult. Yeah, it's not good. 
yeah, it's it's very narrow on the top of those pendulums, and then yeah. Yeah. you just kind of fall through them if you go too much to the sides. And then also they just have bats during yep. that section to try to knock you off. Yeah, so sure, why not? That's cool. Yeah. Uh, this is after I said that the difficulty is very fair in Castlevania Three. Uh, that one part though, not so much. Yeah. Uh, another part that is some real dog shit is when you have the. Uh, it's also in the clock tower which is where you have to go down, but the screen is scrolling up. So then if <laughs> yeah. you end up scrolling up past your HUD, you hit a death plane and it just kills you outright. So like, there's a lot of points where if you're kind of falling behind on that thing, do not jump because jumping will just outright kill you. Yep. Oh, God. Bad. I saw a part where you have to uh, like climb the stairs and there are a bunch of gargoyles flying in from the sides. So I take back what I said about the difficulty being fair in (laughs) Castlevania 3, because the more we talk about it, the more I realize that's absolutely not true. Because, yeah, that section is also terrible. I mean, the the nice part about Castlevania 3 is a lot of the levels that are just some real bullshit. You can skip past them if you know where they fall on the, like, level order. Mm -hmm. So you just take a different path and just not even have to deal with it. Uh, But not really to a game's credit when a positive thing you can say about it is that you don't have to play certain parts of it. Uh, but I do like Castlevania 3 a whole lot. Like, it, it has the feel of the first game. Uh, it has a lot more going on with it. A lot of that stuff I find very interesting. It is a surprisingly big game for an NES platformer. Oh, yeah. There's a lot in it. Yeah. I I have gone this month. I went through it, and I completed every path in that game and beat the game with every character. That's a lot of game. If you want to sit down yeah. and do that, you have a lot to actually like sink your teeth into. If you want to sit down and do that, you have a lot of problems. Well, I mean, I made this list, so I got to play all the video games, and I got to do them 100%. Yep. So, you know. Except for when you don't. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Follow me. <laughs> So Castlevania 2 is not on my list uh, But I have played Castlevania 2 before I beat Castlevania 2 Virtually without using a guide I think there were like a couple things I looked up to figure out how to proceed Because I just I completely hit a wall Mm -hmm. Uh, I put a ludicrous amount of time Into doing this Because the way to beat Castlevania 2 Was basically to go everywhere Talk to everybody Use every item near every notable thing and just hope that eventually something works. Almost like a Sierra adventure game. Yeah. One of my most if hated you play things. play those, you have to have some real problems. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah, Castlevania 2 is just... I know that, like, a lot of people... A lot of people go online and they harp about how bad Castlevania 2 is. And so does one of those things that you then start to see people going like... It's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. Uh, but in this case, yes, it is. And the people who tell you that are liars. If they are not consciously lying to you, they are subconsciously lying to themselves. Right. I mean, I would say that is one of the top three worst video game sequels. Like, it's that, Devil May Cry 2, uh-huh. probably Blood 2. Man, yeah. Blood 2 is real bad I, w- I was thinking about Blood 2 recently Because um, GOG has a Halloween sale Going on uh, And so the first Blood The sort of like 
remake slash remaster whatever i guess more of a remaster port or something uh is on sale and so i bought that and i was thinking i was just looking at in my gog library and blood 2 next to it and thinking i never want to play blood 2 again i'm not even really sure why i bought it here well i I never played it back in the day um i mean you 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 played shogo mobile armor division right well i've tried to (laughs) okay well imagine that but worse oh does blood 2 came out after that well releasing a game when it's not done for one thing Okay. Uh, second, developing a game essentially literally by committee from people on a forum, which is what they did. Oh, God, why? Like for, I, well, I guess the logic was we want to know what people want, and so if we give them what they want, then there will be nothing to complain about. Except then it turned out to be like a total mess. That's what got us poochie. Yes. So, <laughs> like, no. But yeah, like. Blood 1 is fantastic, one of the best shooters of all time. Blood 2, one of the worst, actually. Like, I would much rather play Duke Nukem Forever than Blood 2. Blood 2 is awful. Mm. Yeah, let's talk about another awful sequel. Okay. That actually, I feel, gets gets worse of a rap than it necessarily deserves. Castlevania The Adventure on the (laughs) Game Boy. No. This game's terrible. Is is an alright game. No, it it's not. It's not bad, it is not amazing, but it's pretty decent. It's real it's bad. okay. It is fine. Uh, I think the fact that it runs at five frames a second <laughs> makes it uh, a lot easier to kind of plan out what your, what your platforming maneuvers are going to be. It has all the classic uh, Castlevania know. enemies, like piranha plants. Yes, that's right. Uh go down the pipe as simon belmont collect mm-hmm. a bunch of coins um i'm not imagining that it's right? got, it's Aren't got there those... piranha plants that shoot fireballs at you uh they're not like piranha plants but well, no, yeah but there's like they, a... they are like they're like audrey twos kind of aren't they yeah they 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 do not look like the dragon uh skull things that are typically in castlevania games like they yeah. replace that but yeah they're more like i guess I wouldn't really describe them as piranha plants, but I suppose I could see how they would look like that. I'm not sure what they are. I kind of thought they were like fish heads or something. Yeah, maybe. But I, I saw them as like Audrey 2s. Look, it's rendered on the Game Boy screen. You need to do a lot with your imagination, fill in the blanks. Right, like how the spikes are just like one long text- texture. So like if the spikes run into yeah. you, you can see like the white part of it just clip over the spray. Oh, yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of that because there are a lot of parts where they were just like, we're going to have spikes move up. And so you have to yeah, it's great. slowly crawl up this rope. And also you yeah, have to get all the, you have, no, you have to get all <laughs> the way to the top of this rope before you jump to the right, because you don't really jump. You kind of just drop. And so you need yeah. to know the exact part of this rope that you can drop off because if you spend too long going up it, then the, the spikes will kill you. It's a Castlevania game. I don't know what you're expecting. You need to know how Simon controls. Be very intimate with it. Mm. Uh, and then at the end, I, you, you just like, if you have the fireball thing, like you kind of just stand there in the middle and whip left and right, and then Dracula's dead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like the spike segments. I like a good chase sequence in video games, like, uh, you know, Mickey Mania, where you're going up the tower and the fire's underneath you. Yeah, they crashed Bandicoot yeah. running away from the boulder. Hell yeah. Yes. Sonic running away from the killer whale. Uh huh. 
Those are good. So I don't really think that you can die during that section. You probably could if you just find a way to stop completely. Yeah, I, th- I also, think you can't like get killed by the whale, but I think you can fall into the water. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I'm i weirdly okay with the spike segments in Castlevania The Adventure. The, the bits that I don't Hate like them. in that game is there's a lot of very tight platforming. Like, there's a couple segments where you'll have like a lower area where there's enemies and then you'll have these very small blocks kind of forming a bridge over them. And you need to do these little hops to get across all the blocks. And if you get to the end of that on the lower section, you cannot actually proceed like the wall is just too high to jump up to. Uh, And the platforming in that game feels very imprecise. Uh, Part of Castlevania on the NES is that for as stiff as you are, generally speaking the platforming feels pretty tight mm-hmm. like the pendulum is is kind of the exception where it doesn't work the way that it should but generally where there's a block you can land on the block even if you're on the very edge of it i mean With castlevania the adventure that does not seem to be the case yes it well it was to the point where i i played it on the anniversary collection on xbox and it was making me wonder if there was something horribly wrong with this collection. Um, and then I went to other games. And I was like, oh, no, these are totally fine. So, like, that game just sucks. This is how it's yeah. supposed to be. This is the intended experience. Like, even the second Game Boy game is way better. Oh, yeah. But... Second Game Boy game, I think, is the one that has that uh, mountain in the background where they do the flicker thing that I brought up last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a yeah. it's sort of like an Atlantis type area, isn't it? I think so. At least that's one of the first areas I think. That's I, that's maybe all I played I, I've, of it. I've never played the second one, but okay. I sure as hell have played Castlevania: The Adventure. Didn't think you should maybe pop into the second one uh, for this whole bit that you're doing. Well, I could have done that, <laughs> and I had a lot of Ogre Battle '64 to play, so. There is a whole I lot of game it. in Ogre Battle 64. Fucking. No, actually. There's I mean... not. It just <laughs> okay. goes on forever. Let me clarify. There is a lot There's of playtime. There's about as much game in Ogre Battle 64 as there is in 13 Sentinels. Mm. Yeah. Ogre Battle 64 is my own burden to bear, and we will get to it hopefully next week, but also kind of doubt it. If I can if I can do two missions a night, I'll have it done before we have to record the next podcast, but I'm not sure if that's even Here's why I don't know that's possible is I looked at a guide for the next mission uh, cuz I tried to like get a sense of like how much time I'm going to have to devote cuz this guy's been pretty good about saying like this mission's pretty tough or this mission's, you know, you can get through it pretty quickly. And this one was like, okay, in this mission you're breaking down these barricades and you're on a time limit. It took me three hours to beat the mission, though, so you probably don't need to worry about the time limit. Uh, okay. What the fuck kind of game has a mission where you don't hit the time limit in three hours? I don't understand. Well... Okay, you said this has about as much game in it as 13 Sentinels. I disagree because that's like more game than I think the, the entirety thing, of 13 that's the Sentinels thing, though, is. Is even three hours of, of air quotes gameplay in Ogre Battle is more actually like five minutes of real gameplay. Okay. 
Well, we, we will get into it here in the very near future, and I will fill you in on why that is the case. But just for now, trust me, there's a lot of Ogre Battle 64, and not very much of it is actually a game. I mean, I believe anyway. it. My main memory from that is, like, the story segments in it. Yeah. Which are, uh, unlike 13 Sentinels, mercifully short. Well, the story segments... Story... The segments in 13 Sentinels are short. It's just that that's mm. most of the game. Oh. So, uh, Castlevania the Adventure. I, I like it more than I think most people do. Uh, it's... I mean, it's not great. It's it's just Castlevania on the Game Boy, and so it's kind of just hamstrung by that hardware. Uh, like I'm I said, not... the, the platforming doesn't feel quite as precise. The frame rate is terrible. To clarify, though... They couldn't it... do stairs, so you just got ropes. Yeah. It, it is hamstrung by unfamiliarity with the Game Boy hardware, because as mentioned, sure. the sequel's way better. It's still on Game Boy. It... It is similar to Mario Land in that I yes. think it's fine for what it is, no. but yeah, it's it's very clear that this was their first pass at that hardware, and so they didn't quite have like a good enough understanding to make the game that they wanted to make. Yes, is sequel or is similar to Mario Land in that it is garbage, but they eventually made a better one. Well. We need to move on, but I disagree. Okay. Um, let let's keep it to Nintendo hardware though, and talk about the first remake of Castlevania One, but certainly not the last remake of Castlevania One, which is Castlevania Four, Super, Super Castlevania. Castlevania Four for the Super Nintendo, and this game is amazing. Uh, this is probably the most approachable Castlevania game. I think it might be the easiest Castlevania game. I think this uh, the was difficulty... the first Castlevania I ever played, actually. I think I played one after that, and I did not play three until much later. Yeah. Because three, I, 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 I don't know I, I ever... NES games before I played this one. I never saw three in the wild. Um, in fact, I, I'm not even really sure I was fully aware of it until, like, Times when I was messing around with emulators and ROMs and stuff. Well, wasn't three pretty late in the NES's lifespan? Yeah, probably. Because like in Japan, I know it had like the enhanced audio thing. Oh, which so I want to say like stuff a... they were doing towards the end. Well, that was probably because of like a Famicom Disk System version. Uh, yeah, because Simon's Quest has one. Maybe. Also, and it also has enhanced audio. I know. Um, oh right, yeah. But... Wasting that technology on. Castlevania 2. Well, no, because the audio is like the good part about 2. Remember? Sure. As that as bloody tears. Yeah. Real good version of it. Yeah. Um but yeah, I I never like saw 3 in the flesh at any point and didn't really know anything about it. Um I played 4, I played Dracula X, uh which at the time, of mm. course, you don't you don't know what TurboGrafx 16 is. Who's ever heard of that? Yeah, Rondo of Blood, what's that? Uh, we'll get but, to that in a so minute. at the time I found Dracula X to be fine <laughs> Because I was like Six years old um, uh, Okay sure Did you ever beat it no. as a six year old child Okay um, I just remember the part like Near the beginning where you're being chased by the Ox thing That's yeah. basically the main thing I remember from it Well 
so part of why I think Castlevania 4 is so approachable is it being in 16 bits, they were finally able to do things with the way Simon controls that they just really could not quite accomplish on the NES. Like, you could have given Simon maneuverability in the air in the NES, but that is one of the most significant changes between the NES version where jumps are very committal to Super Castlevania, where you actually do have air control. Well, uh, but there I, are... I would say the biggest change is the whip. I was, I was going to get to that, but sure, the, the whip is the thing that for like, it has eight directions now, and then you can also just hold the button and then twirl your thumb around on the D-pad and just yeah. kind of let it noodle around, which is great, uh -huh. and it's perfect for taking out enemies like Medusa heads and bats that are coming at you, uh, or for even taking out enemies that are like on a platform below you, you just twirl it around and then you'll end up taking their health out. Uh, which that's something that you couldn't really do on the NES because that whip is so segmented in the Super Nintendo version that it, it really does feel like you were using a whip in that game. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also like the whip reaches halfway across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very easy to just kind of hit anything with the whip. You really don't need to use sub weapons a whole lot in Castlevania Four. I mean, so like fair, their utility though, is much more muted. It also is zoomed in way more than like in uh, Castlevania is, yes. One and Three were. Yeah, uh, which also I think ends up helping it out a lot. Again, for that reason, just like it's it's a lot easier to hit this enemy instead of getting pelted by it from clear across the screen. Um. Uh, yeah, like um. You know, you still have your sub-weapons, even though, like I said, they don't really have as much utility as they once did. They're still good for certain bosses, like the giant golem uh, that is actually a background element, which is why the rest of the screen is is uh, black behind them. Uh, like, if you have the axe for that boss, then you can kind of just stand in one spot and just throw those over, over and over again. I like the one um, um, that's like a, like a column, and like knocking the segments of it out. That's Bloodlines. Oh yeah, that's okay, not four. yes. That's what yeah. 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 Um but yeah, in in four, another thing that you can do that the original like NES games did not let you is you can jump onto stairs. And yes. you can just fall off of or jump off of stairs at will. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it's it's extremely nice. And there are points in the game where if you drop through, you don't immediately hit a death point, you just fall further down the level. I just thought of uh, how which is welcomed. I just thought of how Bloodlines has the best boss in the series. Yeah, you know we'll who I'm talking about. Yeah, we'll 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 get the Bloodlines. Okay, but I like four a whole lot. Uh, four easily breaks like my top three Castlevania games. Um, the music in it is incredible. It's like a lot more moody and atmospheric, whereas like all the stuff in the NES games was very high energy, uh, which isn't say there's no high energy music in Castlevania 4 but like the the cave level just has this really kind of moody down tempo music i love it to death the the forest of monsters theme is really funky but also fairly subdued mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to describe but i love that song that's one of my favorite songs on the SNES did they uh, uh i i know they released the soundtracks to Castlevania 1 and 3 on vinyl did they ever do that for 4 I'm not I sure, feel, but if I they feel like that would maybe should. that would maybe benefit from it more than the others oh, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, even though I gotta say, 
I'm not sure any track of Castlevania will ever ever beat like either Bloody Tears or dun 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 like that's all time killer. Yeah, that's like all time great game themes. Yeah, uh, the the treasury theme in Super Castlevania Four is maybe my single favorite song off of NSNES game. It's got so much going on inside that song. It's got like a minute long intro to Ooh. that song. Like that is the that is the point that the composer realized that like they could do so much more on an SNES sound front than what they could have done on anything prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah the, the the feel of that game is great. Like you have much more control over Simon and yeah it's a lot easier but like the whip feels so much better being able to use that in eight directions that you would never understand why they would ever go back to not having a eight directional whip, and yet they do for basically every goddamn Castlevania after this. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Richter though he he still can do the little dingle dangle with his. So there's that. I guess. Um. Yeah. Well, he can do the dingle dangle in Symphony of the Night. You can't do it in Rondo. Can't? I thought you could. No. Huh. Rondo of Blood only has uh, left and right. Huh. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Symphony of the Night also has it where Richter has that slide. Yeah. Where if you do it like two times and he just slides into the fucking air. Yeah. Which is great. He's got it feels that, really big, good. that big backflip. Yeah. Well, he also has that in Rondo, though, to be fair. Okay. If you tap if you tap back while you're jumping, then he can do the, the flip backwards. Oh, all right. Um, so that is one holdover. But, uh, yeah, I haven't played like, Rondo much. Played it once, I think. Uh, I played the. I guess we should just PSP talk about Rondo now. Version. Yeah. I'll like just talk about Rondo because this is like the best Castlevania game. Rondo Popeil. That's right. Uh, Rondo of Blood. Rondo Blood has that fucking dope intro where yes, it's just it. dudes talking in German yeah. about like reawakening <laughs> the most ancient evil and his. Dr- they got the. They put the lady on the coffin uh-huh. where Dracula's remains are, and then they stab her. Yep. Blood goes into the coffin, and then Dracula's like, "I'm back, bitches! I heard you guys have some himbos that need fucking up. Uh-huh. Let me just turn into a bat and fly into my castle. It's called Castlevania. That's the name of the game. Rondo of Blood, Castlevania. Oh shit, Richter's here, and everything's anime now. Is that called... intro is anime as fuck. Is the castle named also. Castlevania in the Japanese versions? It is. Okay. No, wait. No, 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 no. In the in the Japanese versions, I'm not yeah. sure. Because the the in the in games the, the games are called Akumojo Dracula. Yes. I forget what that means. But um. I think it's just Vampire Killer Dracula. No. If I remember right. No, cause cause that's or, like oh, no, um no, no. that's Darkstalkers um... is called Vampire Killer over there. No, it's uh yeah. That's what I'm confusing it with. I think it's like Demon Castle Dracula. Akumo. Yes. Because Aku Aku would be Demon demon Castle. So, yes. Probably. Which is a. Which is a much better name. Demon Castle Dracula sounds sick. I guess. I like Castlevania. Yeah. I do too. But, like, I can see why maybe they would end up changing that because I know that, like, there's been religious objects in Castlevania games up to this point where when they came over to America, they had to scrub them out. Yeah. Um, specifically, like, Castlevania 4. Yeah, 4 had, like, crosses in it or something. Yeah. But it's weird, too, because Castlevania 3 has the cross that uh, Trevor's pre- uh, 
praying at at the start of the game, and they left that in. Well, three, so I don't know what that's about. Three had some other stuff I thought they took out. I think they did remove some stuff from three, but like they, I, like I know they left stuff. The I think they at took the out the game. three. Yeah. yeah, they took uh they took all the blood out in Bloodlines at the start of that because it's supposed to be like this lake of blood. And then uh, I think well, in like, weird, the American though, version they change it. Bloodlines is like super gory for the first level, and then there's no more through the rest of the yeah. game. I never understood that. It's like it's got the zombies that just like blow apart when you hit them, and then like the dog boss yeah. that splits in half and like pulls yeah. and turns inside out, like it's Parasite yeah. Eve or something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Rondo of Blood. Uh, the intro was sick. Like I said, it becomes after the whole like German opening, like the music kicks in, and then it's just super anime. But it's yep. great. Like it pumps you up for playing that game, and then. When you actually get into it, that that first like prologue segment where you're on the uh, you're on the horse drawn carriage, mm-hmm. you're just like rushing back to town because like you got a vampire that needs to get fucked up. Now it's and all on death fire. Shows up, yeah. But then like death shows up and you have that really brief boss fight with him uh, before he's like, "I'll see you later on in the game, peace." Mm-hmm. And then yeah, you end up in the town. Everything's on fire. There's skeletons but, like, throwing barrels at you. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Nobody There's wants that. There's a dragon. The first boss is a damn dragon. Yeah. Although maybe it's not the first boss because multiple paths are back in this game except instead of it being that you get to the end of the level and you basically choose where to go next, different pathways are unlocked by doing different things within the level themselves. So like in the first level there's an area you drop down into about halfway through. And if you just jump over this little gap to the left and you whip the wall, you'll break open a pathway that then leads you to a totally different area. Mm-hmm. It takes you to a totally different level two with a totally different boss. And there are bits where like you can get keys that then you can use to open other doors and uh, get what what's her name? Maria, I think. So there's four there's four women that you have to save throughout the course of the game. Uh, one of them is your girlfriend. Uh, two of them are just priestesses who were kidnapped by Dracula in the town, and then one of them is Maria. And yeah. Maria, if you, That's she's like the, the easiest one to find. Yeah, and she's, she's like the, the first the one fish man find. segment, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, it's Maria is basically in a position where the game they want you to find her pretty much right away. Yeah, and when you find her, you unlock her as a playable character. And Maria is kind of like a glass cannon, so like she takes damage very quickly like it's it doesn't take much to drain her health bar but her attacks are all really powerful and she uses like different animal companions to attack she can also the different stuff weapons you pick up replace them yeah she can double jump too um but yeah like maria is a lot of fun to play the game through uh especially because then when you beat the game with her you get like a joke ending that's cute where like dracula is really mad that a little girl beat him and then, like, she has, to, yeah, she runs out of the castle with all her cartoon animal friends and everything. And then it's just like a bright sunny day, and she's just like skipping through a meadow. And that's the end of Rondo of Blood when you beat it with Maria. <laughs> uh, whereas with Ricker, it's a sad ending if you don't save all of the, the, the four maidens. Yep. Riker. <laughs> Riker Belmont. Yep, Dan Riker Belmont. I was thinking of Riker from Star Trek. Oh, yes. With a whip, though. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Saving these ladies, winking at them. Yep. 
maybe betting a couple of them. I mean, that's something he would do in the hollow deck. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the hollow deck is smeared with Riker DNA. Mm. Do not go in there without cleaning supplies first. Um, you would think so yeah, they like, wouldn't have to. Like they should be able to just clean that with lasers or something. Sure. Like it, it would uh, be sort of like a giant autoclave. Like it just sterilizes after every use. I'll just get data in there with a bucket of bleach. He's not even a person. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Put him to work. Yeah. Um, sir, I must so, say I have better things I could be doing with my time. Shut up and clean the holodeck. <laughs> so the way that Rondo Blood is structured is that the first few levels is a straight line through, and then it's split. Like if you looked at the levels laid out on like a map, there would just be a giant box in the middle that is made of smaller boxes because the game kind of just splits off into two paths. Uh, but even then, between those two paths, there's some points where you can bounce from one end of the box to the other end of the box, kind of going bottom to top and then back to bottom. So the the way level progression is laid out is... About? It's, I, it's I, weird. I don't understand what you're saying, and I've okay, played this game. all right. Box one, level one, box two, level two, box three, right. there's a box above it and a box below it. Yes. Each being different levels. And then say I go to the box below box three. Yes. Now I got like four more boxes going to the right of that. But there are some paths where like I can go from one of those lower boxes back up to the same path that is just above that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And no, so you're just, talking about with like forms... a box in the middle or something. Well, that's but okay. that's the thing is is then when you lay those those boxes out, the the pattern that they form is then a square that sits in the middle of the level map, and then they converge again at the end of the game. So like the last two levels, you're always going to go to. Um, yeah, and like one of them is a boss rush that is really good because uh shaft the dark priest shaft which is maybe the best named character <laughs> out of all of castlevania just talking about shaft that's right shut your mouth uh he ends up just summoning a bunch of the bosses from castlevania one so you fight the bat you fight medusa you fight the mummy and you fight frankenstein and then you fight him and it's just this gauntlet that you have to get through um but they're all like fairly approachable because like the thing about Rondo Blood 2 is like it might have the best balanced gameplay out of the Castlevania series. It is still tough, but you have such good control over Richter and like the, the right sub weapons feel incredibly powerful. And the bosses have patterns that are fairly easy to pick up on and learn in the middle of a boss fight. I never felt like I had to constantly replay bosses just to figure them out. Uh, so even that boss rush, even though you're fighting five bosses, it's extremely doable. Also, and it still feels like a good challenge from start to finish. I'm gonna say it. Rondo has the best version of death, where he's like a ninja. It does. You fight him at the top of that pirate ship. Oh yeah, the portrait of a ghost ship is you know if I, again talking about best music on different platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, but portrait of a ghost ship might be the best song in all of Castlevania. Hmm, it is pretty good. It's, it's an extremely good song. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Death, just like halfway through that fight, just deciding to like 
get on your level and just <laughs> yeah. fuck you up with this Or you just like appears as just like schwa and like gets the side oh, down yeah. and stuff. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of the bosses have stuff like that where they have these really cool intros that like hype you up for the boss before you actually go in and fight them. And then some of them have these like pinch mode things that they I do hate like those. death. The werewolf Except in Rondo also has of Blood. One. In Rondo of Blood, they're really cool. The, the werewolf is one of the tougher fights because that werewolf is just bouncing off of everything. Yeah. And you find them like really early on too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Rondo of Blood is just, it's so, it's so, so good. Like it's similar to three. There's a lot of game there if you want to sit down and complete everything. But even more than three, I felt very compelled to do just that. And even after getting 100% completion in that game, I still wanted to sit down and just keep playing it. Like, Rondo of Blood is one of those games that I can sit down at any point in time and play it and have a great time with it. You know, that's the thing. You you talk about me getting platinum trophies in games recently, and you're like, why are you doing that for? And then meanwhile, you were getting 100% in, like, Castlevania 3 and Rondo of Blood. Like, at least I can show people. I, I can point to my PSN profile and be like, hey, check out these platinum trophies I got. I, yeah. I have a hundred percent of the trophies for Rondo of Blood on retro achievements. That doesn't so. matter. It's retro I achievements. Who cares? You can just hack that whenever. I could do that. You don't have to be <laughs> Fisher Stevens to hack retro achievements. <laughs> just opening up, opening up DOS and just typing in the code. Yeah, just breaking just into the mainframe. Slash, slash unlock one hundred percent done. That's that is Steam. First of all, well. That too. Steam achievements are also completely worthless. Yeah. Uh, now, Rondo Blood is it's super good, which is why it is criminal and people should be brought into courts of law and arrested and put in jail for Dracula X, which is maybe the worst Castlevania game ever made. It's, it's no. pretty much that in Castlevania 2. Like, Castlevania 2 actually is worse. Yes. But, like, Dracula X is fucking up there castlevania the adventure also worse but that's maybe it dragula x part of what makes that so aggressively bad is not just the fact that like it is a a remake like a pseudo remake of rondo of blood which is a vastly better game but it's also like significantly worse in every possible regard than castlevania 4 and so, like, an American sitting down and playing these games, they don't have any goddamn idea what Rondo of Blood is at that point in time because it never came out here. Right. But they do know Castlevania Four, So there's still, like, a metric by which you can compare those two things and understand that Castlevania's, Castlevania Dracula X is demonstrably worse. Yeah. And, like, I understand the reason, like... You played it when you were six, and you didn't play anything else, so you thought it was fine at that point in time. Sure, but even but like, at the I'm time, sure like go back and I didn't, now that it's I didn't think it was great. Like even then, I was like, eh. "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah." So, again, it, it it limits the movement of your whip to just left and right, which at that point in time, again, you have to understand that Americans would have played Castlevania Four, and so that feels like a very weird regression in the way Castlevania plays. Um, excuse me. There are multiple paths in it. Uh, there are. I think that some of them work the same as in Rondo Two, where if like you 
fall through a hole, you don't necessarily die, but you go down to a different path that is basically designed to punish you, but you're still able to progress through the level. But some Uh, pits still just kill you. Some pits still just kill you. But, like, a, a lot of the game just seems designed around bullshit enemy placement. Like, there's a lot of the guys with spears who will just, like, try to stab you through the floor, uh or like through the ceiling and they have too much health and they're just in great abundance in this game whereas they do not appear that often in rondo of blood there's a lot of medusa heads in castlevania dracula x so like a a whole mess of them that game is rotten with them yeah uh I have no idea how to get 100% in that game. I have gone through the game twice and I could not save Richter's girlfriend at all. And I followed a guide and it just, it did not work. Well, you need to equip uh, Tadlock's glasses. Uh, so then uh, you can see floating, the, the, the floating guy and you hit him. See? Oh, that's Symphony of the Night. Oh. Yeah. No, you get like a key at a level and then you have to carry the key with you through like a, a whole other level and if you die you lose the key, which is cool. Oh, nice. <sighs> yeah, no, it's great. Um like it, it it just a lot of the sprites like it seems like they ripped them right off of the turbo graphics, but then of course the fidelity between those two consoles is incredibly different, so there's a certain fuzziness to everything. Which is weird. And then they also lack frames of animation that would otherwise be there. You would think that uh, it really wouldn't be that different. Yeah, CD technology. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Can't put no CD in an NES. Or, I'm sorry, an SNES. Rondo was a CD game? I thought it was just regular. No, it's a CD game. Okay, I thought it was just regular TurboGrafx-16. Okay. That, that is part of why it cost a million dollars, is that it was a CD game. Uh, right. On top of the fact that, you know, it was Japan only. But Well, sure. That and um, never actually released here is probably the biggest factor. Yeah. Well, I just said Japan only. Um, but know, yeah, but like I think CD I'm games... I'm saying that's way more CD of a games, factor than sure. it being on CD. Sure, but I, I think that... I might be wrong about this, but I think that Turbo Graphics CD games are in general in general worth more than just the Hue cards are, like on the aftermarket. Probably. Like I, I think that they just produced a lot less of them, especially here in America, because I think by the time the CD came out, like the Turbo Graphics was already not taken off the way that they wanted it to. Yeah, and I, I guess I can also understand like. It's a lot easier for a CD to become damaged, so one in good condition yeah. is a lot rarer than just a card. So yeah, yeah that okay. too. Yeah, but it's like a few hundred for a copy of Rondo. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you get that a uh, PSP game. That's what I which did. I'm sure is not that expensive. I don't know. Actually, no. Uh, I kind of I kind of wonder what the PSP aftermarket looks like at this point. I bought on PSN, um, so I could still play it on oh, Vita. Right. Uh, can't do that now, because <laughs> they unless <laughs> yeah. you actually have a PSP or Vita to buy it from, because you can't buy yeah. PSP and Vita games on the web store anymore. Uh, that web store, by the way, in general, is awful. I don't know if you've mm. looked at it. I have not. Uh, everything is Let huge. Me take a look at it after this, and the, it will just show you like versions of like the different editions of games with nothing telling you what the difference is. Like you can't click into them to see like what is in what. 
It's very oh, it's strange. like a little mystery. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, you just hit hit add to cart, and then who knows what you get? I pay twenty bucks for this, and then realize it's not what I wanted at all. Mm-hmm. No way to return this and get my money back. That's cool. Oh. Uh, but yeah, like Dracula X. Uh, a lot of the difficulty and it just kind of feels like bullshit. A lot of the level design just does not feel that interesting. Um, you know, Castlevania four keeps its levels very, it keeps its levels varied. It's level tropes are consistently fresh and interesting. It has fun gimmicks. It's got mode seven in it. Dude, this tower spinning around in the frame rate is trash, but it looks cool. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like that in Dracula X. The levels all just kind of look dull. Everything is really washed out. It weirdly looks like a Game Boy Advance game in just how washed out and fuzzy everything is. And then you get to the final boss, and it's completely different from Rondo of Blood, and by extension, Symphony of the Night. You are not in the throne room. You're in this area that has pillars and bottomless pits between them. And then you have to take out Dracula, who has entirely too much health. So it takes fucking forever. And he will randomly spawn on one of these pillars. And so sometimes he'll just spawn too damn far away from you. So there's just a lot of waiting around for him to end up in the ideal position. And then, of course, he has a second phase that still has too much health. And so you're still spending forever just waiting for him to kind of end up in the right area that you can get a few good hits off of him. But the worst part about this is, again, there's pits. So if he hits you, you have knockback. So odds are you're going to die from getting knocked into a pit than you are from losing all of your health. So it's it's infuriating. It is the most difficult final boss in a Castlevania game, and it is not for any fair reason. It, it's just, it's too long, too much health, and just the, the whole knockback thing is some real dog shit. Dracula X is bad. Okay, but tell me how you really feel. I wish I had a copy of Dracula X so I could crack it over my knee. But speaking of games that are expensive, Dracula X, for some reason, also costs, like, over $100. Weird. I think they didn't make very many copies. Yeah, probably not. I'm pretty sure it was also at the end of the SNES's lifespan, and I think think they kind of knew. Mm-hmm. I think they knew <laughs> that this thing was not going to sell well here in America. Uh, so yeah, Dracula X sucks. Um, but before we yeah, get... Yeah, man. Before... Uh, Dracula X came out here September 95. I think yeah. the PlayStation was already out. I think it was too. Uh, but before we get to the PlayStation, we have one more of the 16-bit era that we need to talk about, which is Bloodlines. We've yeah. already brought it up a few times, and this Bloodlines is dope as hell. It's John really good. Morris, Elizabeth Bathory. <laughs> yeah, Lance. she wants to revive Dracula. She's going all over Europe, and she's fucking shit up to bring Dracula back to life. You got that intro where she's just like walking in front of the windows that are blown out. There's all that fire. It looks super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has uh, the greatest boss in Castlevania history, which uh, I want to know if you think it's the same one that I do. What do you think okay. it is? Okay, so do we want to just say it at the same time? Okay, yes, on three. Okay, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to... All right, what one... What do you need to do? One, two, two three. three. Business Frankenstein. The gargoyle. No, come on, man. Oh. <laughs> 
Business Frankenstein. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. It is definitely Business Frankenstein. <laughs> no, you are. gave Business Frankenstein a whip. Yeah. Whip against gonna, whip, man. The ultimate suit. battle. Yeah. Yeah. And he can't hit you with him like at all. He's one of the easiest bosses in that entire game. Yep. You just jump over, whip him, just run back to the left corner, and then if he does his ground attack, just you have plenty of time to jump up on that platform. Yeah. He's super easy. Uh, but yeah, you, you mentioned like, the segment like, Look, it, they saw the movie Frankenstein. They know that uh-huh. uh, pathos is important. They want you to feel sorry for sure. him. I want you to know that he is just an instrument of the like actual enemy that he is not something you should not have rage against this Frankenstein. You should feel John, sorry, you should feel pity for him, put him out of his misery. John Morris, this Frankenstein is just like you. He has a whip, he has a suit, he has a family. Yeah. They care about him. They're waiting for him to come home. Here he is fighting in the Dracula Wars yet again to put food on his table. It's like it's like when only you have to get when you have to kill the dogs in the Last of Us Two. <laughs> That's right. Those dogs had families. Yeah, or the flashbacks in Ghost of Tsushima. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah. They're letting you pet dogs now in Ghost of Tsushima and befriend what? them. Yeah, that's right. Get a mm. ghost dog at one point in <gasps> Wave the Samurai. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Um Yeah, so like Bloodlines is just a very like uh, at this point a very standard Castlevania game, except it's on the Sega Genesis. Uh its soundtrack is dope as hell. It's it's very grungy, it's very meaty, as most Sega Genesis soundtracks are, uh, at least the ones that have composers that know what they're doing with that sound hardware. Um, you have two characters to play as. You have um, John Quincy Morris. Morris and uh, it's not Quincy, is it? Just said is. I thought it was Quincy. That was John was Morris. Morris. Oh, John Morris and um, get the dude with the lance. Yeah, I don't know. I just call him Lance. Anyway, you got the dude with the yeah. You got it's Lance. Like... He's got a lance. He's great. He's got that that uh, long jump that you can do. Yeah, he has a really fancy sounding name. I don't remember what it is, but yeah, yeah, he is not a Belmont. Though. There, there is no, no named Belmonts in this game. Um, but yeah, so you know, you you got your Belmont standing with the whip, and then and then you got this guy with his lance, and so they offer you two different ways to kind of play the game. Uh, although the progression is largely the same, there is one level where the progression splits off in two different directions because they make use of the different weapon types. Eric Lacard. So, by the way, yeah. So and, Eric um, Lacard, Qu- Quincy Morris, Quincy Morris was a descendant of the Belmont family, and uh, John Morris's son, son, grandson. Okay, that's where I'm getting them confused. Because okay. they're also they're also based off. I think he's based off a character from the original Dracula book, though. Like I think yeah. Morris was the last name of one yeah, of the main Qu- characters. Yeah, Quincy, right? Quincy Morris is from Dracula. Okay. Okay. I've I've never read the original Dracula. I only have like kind of a passing familiarity with that. I know that like Dracula can teleport if he has like dirt from the place he's teleporting to. Yes, that that's his whole okay. thing is that he is like buying real estate in America so he can like get dirt to <laughs> transport back and forth. Uh, if you've not read Dracula, it's probably not what you're expecting. I will that's say that. That's what I understand is that it is not 
like if I went into it, it's not going to be what I expect. Because like the no. few bits and pieces of it that I've heard about are not at all what I would think Dracula is. Well, it's like yeah. it's it's all epistolary, is the thing. Yeah. Like like it's all just like here's a, a clipping from a newspaper at the time, or this is a letter yeah. from one of the characters. Like it's not narrated or anything. It's all like essentially the book equivalent of found footage. Hmm. Well, thank you, Mary Shelley. Uh, no, <laughs> Bram Stoker, please. Mary Shelley wrote <laughs> Frankenstein. It, it was Thanks, right Mary in the, Shelley for Dracula. It was right in the title of the Francis Ford Coppola movie, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, Bram Those Stoker other is, a, is a cool dude too. Bram Stoker and Hoop. Hi. <laughs> so, I have a friend who was reading. Uh, the original Dracula a few years ago. And I kept referring to them as Bram Stroker because I legitimately thought that's how you said the name <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. And so I must have said this like 20 or 30 times to them over the course of a few days before they were finally like, do you know how to pronounce their name? I think that's a really common mistake, actually. I think a lot of people just say Stroker for some I reason. Guess. I I don't know. But yeah, that's... Now I just do it to be obstinate about it. Like, I know better, but I do it anyway. Uh, but yeah, okay. like, Bloodlines Bloodlines has that segment of boss that you brought up where it's just, like, this towering dude and you gotta take out chunks of him to get at his weak point, which is, like, this glowing orb at the yeah, top. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, man, there's, like, there's a lot of real Ernest Evans shit going on <laughs> with, like, the ways some of the sprites animate where, like, that, all the limbs are different sprites just that, kind of moving around. That was the game I was trying to think of when I was thinking of uh, the whip and how it was segmented. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Ernest Evans. Yeah, because this also was... lets you do eight directions. Uh, and, like, you can use it to swing across gaps, too, although there is really yeah. only one area in the game where you are required to do that. Also, it doesn't work really well. No, it does not. It it's very the detection on it seems off because, yeah. like, at least in Super Castlevania, you hook onto it on these very explicit points. You have right. like a hoop, and it will wrap around that. With this, it's gym. just any yeah. With this, it's any ceiling that you whip diagonally with it. Um, but yeah, the it's problem like... is it doesn't always connect correctly. Yeah, it's sort of like a the Spider Man game for the yeah. Sega Genesis. But there is so that level again where it diverges into two different paths. Uh, you know the guy with the lance he can just jump straight up and get to the path above but with Morris you have to swing over a gap in the next room because he does not have a super jump to get to those platforms um, and so you're forced to use it at one point in the game it's the worst part of the entire game for that reason um, but yeah like Elizabeth Bathory is, is basically the main villain of this game similar to Shaft she's just way into Dracula and wants to revive him for funsies uh, there's also a war going on you know little little conflict that you might have heard of uh called world war Two. it's one actually but yeah also world war the first also it's elizabeth bartley not elizabeth bathory bartley. oh oh my god yeah uh so part of, part of what throws me off about it being world war one and world war two is castlevania 64 <laughs> i thought takes place like a, quite a decent amount of time before bloodlines because in castlevania one the merchant is talking about how there is a world war coming and war is good for business hmm. okay and so i'm they they maybe just take place a lot closer in the timeline than i thought that they do or perhaps at this point one of them is considered non-canon 
I would guess that's the case. I bet 64 is not canon. Well, so there is, um, this only came out like a few years ago that like, I think somebody associated with Castlevania had put out the internal timeline that Konami uses. Oh boy. And then someone at Konami said, Hey, you need to delete that shit. So they removed it pretty quickly, but not before, of course, a bunch of people on the internet saved it. Yeah. Uh, And that person now is probably working in a pachinko mine somewhere and uh, has not been heard from since. But yeah, like, I really like the World War One sort of stuff in Bloodlines. It got like the the zombie yeah. guys with the helmets and that whole area with like the fences and the barrels and whatever. It's a yeah, a the, neat, the munitions neat, factory. Yeah, it's a neat look that doesn't really appear in any other Castlevania game. No, no, you, you get a little bit of it in Castlevania Four, like I said, yeah. but not not quite as they're not leaning into it as hard as they do in Bloodlines. Because mm-hmm. Bloodlines has you traveling all across Europe as well. I mean, so, like, um, you, you go to. I guess you get some of it. in the second level, I think. You get some of it in Portrait of Ruin because I think that's about the same time. That actually might be mm. World War II era. I don't remember. Dracula was uh, really invested in the World Wars. You know, he had some well, stuff going on. You get a lot of blood out of him. So, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he's just out there licking up puddles in the battlefield, he's crawling around. Yeah, he's just like, like hanging out in the <laughs> tre- trenches in Verdun. He's just like, ah. Yeah. Like oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh Spaniard blood, my favorite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Portrait of Ruin is set in 1944 Europe during World War II oh, as a continuation of the story from Bloodlines. Adolf Hitler's a vampire. I I keep telling you, Portrait of Ruin is great, and you refuse to play it. So, whatever. Same. Perhaps the same could be said of Castlevania <laughs> The Adventures 2 on the Game Boy. Uh, well, Portrait of Ruin's a lot better, but okay. Uh, but, but yeah, like, Bloodlines is, is a really fun game. It's it's relatively short, and it, it's not as varied uh, between its two characters as what you would find, like, Rondo of Blood and Castlevania 3, like I said, they have these different branching pathways, and then 3 has these different characters, and it feels like those games have a lot more like meat to them for that reason whereas bloodlines is just you have these two characters but they follow the same paths except for one part of the game and outside of the fact that their mode of attack is a little bit different you're basically playing the same game twice thing is uh, though, the sonic and knuckles of castlevania games bloodlines does not have infinite continues right it had no but it does have like a password save system so you can still kind of just get Okay. Everywhere. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like there's just a lot of really great moments and set pieces in that game. Like I like the butterfly boss, or I think maybe it's actually more of a moth. Yeah. Like you're fighting just this lady, and then her body splits the fuck open, and this moth comes out that's like eight times her size. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you sit, you sit the... on the wall, and you just sort of plink at it with arrows for a while until it dies, and then it's like, okay, yeah. I guess that was it. Yep. Fun boss. Uh, yeah. You got the one in like Versatilis where like the water is slowly rising throughout the level, and so then the boss is like summoning more of the water to come up, so you have to kill him really quickly. And you fight those two suits of armor right afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Bloodlines has the, those the really final... cool like ar- armor guys are running around on segways for some reason. Oh yeah, they kind of look like the jacking off. Yeah. They're like, cool. Hey, it's just wobbling around. Yeah. Oh, they're tucking it's, their shirt that... in. I hope. I almost moved past Bloodlines without mentioning that segment where they like 
segment the screen into three halves. And then so as you're moving forward, all three halves start to offset from one another. Yes. And so then you have to do the platforming where like the middle section is not the same as the top, not the same as the bottom. And so you're trying to like, your mind is trying to piece everything together. Yeah. And then Medusa heads are flying at you. Yeah, that's cool. A uh, quick note, if something is divided into thirds, uh, they're not halves. Whatever. <laughs> um, okay. oh, three halves. <laughs> three halves of whole. Yep. Uh, you also got that bit where, like, uh, you're on the ceiling. Like, it yeah. just inverts everything. Oh, what a feeling. Yeah. When you're John Morris on Anything the ceiling. on the ceiling. Yeah. But, yeah, it, that game does some really neat stuff. Uh, with the hardware that that it's on, um, I like the final boss fight with uh, well, not the final one, but one of the one of the final boss fights with Death, uh, where he's got the cards, and then like you have to whip one of the cards, and it will either make you fight like one of the prior bosses, mm-hmm. or it will just spawn like a bunch of chickens. Yeah, yeah. I think See, you like well, you, have to hit really all, you have to hit all of them eventually, right? So the thing is, like, you don't want to hit the chicken one first; like, you want to time it so you use it as a pickup when you need it later. So I. I might be wrong about this because when I get to that part of the game, I'm just whipping all the time. Mm. Like, I don't care. I'm just like, I, would, I just want to kill death. It's always be um, whipping. Yeah. But I think what might happen is each time he brings the cards up, it's a different random assortment of cards. I think it's always the same ones. I, I, so or, I know or it that... might be random, but I think you have to go through all the bosses before it ends. I think that might be the case because I know that in the two times that I played it this month, one of them I got chickens, and then the other time the chickens were just not there. Okay, I don't know. So I I think there is some degree of randomization involved in that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what seed I got at the start of the game <laughs> that changed the cards. Maybe that's uh, uh, Bloodlines uh, randomizer. Here we go. Yeah. Let's move on to the PlayStation. Okay. Almost, we're almost done. Good. But first, it is our second remake of Castlevania One. Mm. It's Castlevania Chronicles. You know the remake that everyone remembers, and that I definitely did not find out existed for the first time literally this year. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that was a weird you, thing because it came out so late. PS One. Yeah, like I, I was really confused in talking with you when it even came out because I was just like, this somehow went completely under my radar. I did not know this existed. You could only imagine my excitement to find out that there were there was a whole Castlevania game I did not play. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, a, sh- what? Special Another present Castlevania? to yourself. Little That's right. Treat. And one, one of the ones with like Kuchima art, so it's like his version of Simon Belmont. So, we maybe now is the time to get into this. All Belmonts are himbos. Oh, yeah. All of them. You see the way that they walk? That's a himbo strut. Yes, just like Kuobara. They have the same walk yeah. cycle. All they know is they got special blood, and they have to go kill vampires, and once every hundred years, Dracula shows up, a man of culture, and they must stand against that culture by destroying his fucking house. Yeah. So they just walk in there, and they start whipping walls and, like, just taking out chunks of his castle and fucking up his clock tower that he spent all of his time putting together and beating up his friends until they get to Dracula. And then Dracula's just like, damn shit. I want like a weekend to myself and now I gotta deal with this Belmont crap again. Mm-hmm. Kind of feel bad looking for out him. his window. Yeah, looking out his window and he just sees Simon strutting up on his house. He's just like, man, come on. Yeah. 
He spent all this time putting together Castlevania, a creation of chaos, and all it takes is one himbo with a whip. He paid good money for those fishmen also. Like he had to make sure the water yeah. was the right temperature, like the right oh. pH levels for him and everything. It's like oh, raising sorry, a bunch of seamen. I'm sorry, you think Frankenstein works for free? <laughs> no. No, he's pulling down a very meager five figures <laughs> that Dracula can barely afford to pay him because no he benefits. constantly has to renovate Castlevania because himbos keep destroying it. I mean, yeah, Dracula, no benefits. Dracula... He's kind of a landlord, though, so I guess maybe I don't feel so bad for him. Look, he's still the villain. He's a sympathetic villain is what I'm getting at. Uh, I guess so. Like, Alucard, Alucard is also a man of culture, but he's more, you know, he wants to help his community. Dracula mostly just wants to turn a profit by the end of the day. He's just like, son, you can't let people live here rent-free. It's just untenable. Well, Dracula also, well... I don't know, like, he can sort of shift and shape Castlevania however he wants, so he probably, he could add an extra guest room on there if he wanted. Uh, but the main thing is, like, Dracula's wife was kind of killed by angry villagers because they thought she was a witch, uh, so he sort of has pretty good reasons for being angry at everybody. Yeah, but, but she was also like, hey, don't take it out on humans, uh, but Dracula ah, did anyway. Come I mean, on. Uh... But Come on. look, the the point is, Castlevania is it. at its very core a story about man versus himbo, and himbo always wins. Yep, always. it's a lesson to live by. That's right. Anyway, now we can move on to Castlevania Chronicles, which is probably Simon at his most himboish. Because mm. of that redesign, because now he's just he's got even more muscles, but he also yep. has like the pink flowing hair. Yep. Yeah. So he's a pretty himbo now, but he's still destructive. And like Dracula, Dracula, I think is aware that this is a remake because the castle's redesigned in ways that is there to fuck with people who are familiar with the original Castlevania. Mm. So like the the best way to point that out is in that first level. The first wall chicken before you go down to the merman, everyone knows about that. Yeah. You break the wall, you get the chicken, you move on, you fight the merman. And then you come back up on the other side. Not so in Castlevania Chronicles, when you bust that open, infinite fleamen spawn from that hole. It's <laughs> <That's> pretty good. <laughs> Which is the most fucked up thing that you could do. Like a Kaizo Mario or something, but for Castlevania. <laughs> yeah. So I think Dracula is aware. Dracula knows that mm. this is like some weird glitch in the timeline and he's back here again. So he's just like, oh, I got my second shot at fucking Simon up. <laughs> Put all these Fleeman in the wall instead. So, so to clarify, Castlevania Chronicles is a PlayStation port of a remake of Castlevania 1 that was for... On the Sharp X8600? Sure. It was some like, yeah, yeah some computer back then. And but so then, that version of the game exists within Castlevania Chronicles. There, there are two games in that okay. collection, and and so one of them is it's just that over again, and it is extremely hard. You take a significant amount of damage on every hit, and you do not do much damage at all. And like, the music in that version is different, and then Simon kind of retains his original design in that version of the game. 
And then you have the alternate version, which is the updated one for the PlayStation, where he's got the pink hair. The difficulty is a lot more balanced, and the music uh, is basically just Eurobeat versions of Castlevania songs. So it's amazing. The Venga bus is coming for Dracula. What I want you, what I want you to do. This is the only edit I'm going to ask you to make is to put in the bit of Vampire Killer from that collection right here because I think people need to listen to it. So, like, it, it ends up adding, like, more areas to the game as well. So it is not just as straight a remake of, like, the NES map as it could be. Uh, it, it feels closer to Castlevania Four in terms of just how much they add and alter that experience. Um, but still, like, the first level is very much the same map. There are still locations from the original Castlevania that are pretty much just lifted 1-1 and put in there. Um I think like one the lead up to death. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think the lead up to death is pretty much the same, if I remember right. If they did uh, a Castlevania 35. Oh no. I mean, actually, that would probably be better because people would die more often on it. Yeah, 35 Simon Belmont's parachute into Castlevania. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you imagine how pissed Dracula would be just waking up one day? <laughs> After a hundred years of slumber, there's just a hundred Simon Belmonts descending upon his castle. Operation Himbo Garden? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Operation Himbo Drop. Okay, sure. I was thinking Market uh, Garden, but yes, also that. <laughs> Good on, joke. That's a layup. Thank you. I'm proud of that one, even though I know that I should not be. Yeah, that, like... The arranged mode in Castlevania Chronicles is pretty good. I tried to play the original one. It is... I didn't feel the need to beat it because, again, it's still very much the same thing. It's just a lot harder. Uh, so there's not really much about that that felt special enough to warrant a second playthrough. Uh, but I think Castlevania Chronicles is a fine game. It is a decent remake of the original Castlevania. In terms of, like, it versus 4, I think 4 is overall a much better game. Uh, but Chronicles is still a pretty fun playthrough if you can get, get your hands on it. Uh, which then takes us to Symphony of the Night. Uh, okay. Larry, what is it, man? Uh, miserable Pile of Secrets. That's the sound of Richter Belmont making his way into the throne room. That's right. He's um, gonna stomp a mud hole, <laughs> walk it dry. <laughs> Dracula. Richter would Richter would absolutely bust two beer cans over his head when defeating Dracula. You cannot convince me he would not do that. Perhaps the same could be said of all religions. What? The, the Romanian rattlesnake is here. 
So, uh, Symphony of the Night is probably one of the highest regarded Castlevania games. Uh, I have made no bones in the past about not liking this type of video game, and then if this podcast has proven anything, is that over time I've really come around onto Pathfinder games. So my first time through Symphony Quick of the question. Night, which is, uh-huh. I'm going to propose a change to our established nomenclature for this genre. Oh no. What if we called it search action like the Toho game called it? So I, I have heard that term brought up even outside of Toho. Specifically, really? I thought Toho made it up. Specifically, and I I cannot remember who published this video, but I was watching uh, one about Symphony of the Night where they referred to it as search action, and I knew, I was like, oh, my brother in arms, you also refuse to call this Metroidvania. You have your own term okay. for this. Well, uh... I was just thinking because of our confusion with Max that time when he thought yes. we were talking about the D and D Pathfinder, yeah. um, that maybe search action would be better. Bless but, his heart, he doesn't understand our idiosyncrasies yeah. with the 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 Metroidvania genre. But I think that is fine. Search action is also an appropriate term for what these okay. games are. Yeah. So, uh. I've come around on these games significantly uh, since starting this list. And I think it's probably, I just, I must have had some bad experiences with this genre before doing this and then playing some of the ones that are so like well-regarded has made me come around on it. But my first playthrough through Symphony of the Night was very middling. I, I didn't enjoy it my first time around. It was just okay. It was better than I was expecting, but I was also not very into it. Uh, I didn't care for the soundtrack. It was kind of dull and forgettable. And then as time went on, I just found myself thinking about Symphony of the Night more and more, and like the soundtrack started to pop into my head, so it wasn't actually forgettable, like it, it still wormed its way in there, and I started to get this weird like retroactive appreciation for it. So this last month I decided I was going to sit down and play Symphony of the Night again, and my second time through the game, I love the shit out of it. It's really, really good. Yeah, I like it. Um, It's not my favorite. I actually think it's kind of a similar thing where this was the first one of that type they made. And so there are some yeah. idiosyncrasies about it that I don't really like. I don't like it, how it has that Resident Evil 4 style inverse difficulty curve. Um, yeah. I think uh, the, there are later games like in the handheld series that are better at it, like Portrait of Ruin, um, Order Circle of Ecclesia. Of the Moon, I think, is still my favorite one. Thought you did, I thought you liked Dawn of... S no. Dawn of Sorrow? What was the other one? Circle of the Moon was the first one. Uh, yeah. Harmony of Dissonance is Harmony the of second Dissonance. one. I thought that was the one you liked more. So I, I, I got the names backwards there for a while. What I meant was Circle of the Moon. Huh. Okay. I, I know this now because this recently came up on a stream that I was watching where there was some confusion between those versions, and then I looked it up and was like, oh, wait a second, it was Circle of the Moon that I'm thinking of, not Harmony Distance. Uh, so uh, I, I do know Dawn of Sorrow is the one I don't like. It was like the first one mm -hmm. on DS, because DS, Dawn of Sorrow, yeah, that has touchscreen stuff, and it really sucks. Um, yeah. But then they got rid of that and got way better. Yeah. But uh, Symphony of the Night, yeah, it, it's very much the first of those. Uh, I really wish Symphony of the Night had like a forward dash in it, because it kind of feels like Alucard moves too damn slow for much of that game. 
Yeah, but you get to enjoy his running animation, which is one of the best. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. He's got this weird thing he does with his hands. Yeah. It's like really fluid. Yeah, he's like he's Runs like, like a weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, he's skiing kind of like like he's moving like yeah, uh, sticks well, that aren't there. Larry, what is Alucard if not the Shadow the Hedgehog of the Castlevania franchise? In the next game, we're giving Alucard guns. <laughs> it's just gonna start shooting people. <laughs> Imagining Alucard with an Uzi now. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> just fucking shooting his dad. I mean, at that point, it's kind of just uh, Vincent Valentine, <laughs> isn't it? From Dirge of Cerberus. But like Dracula being this immortal being, like one bullet's not enough to kill him, so like he's just getting dumped into it with an Uzi going, Please stop, son, stop. Yeah, it'd be like the beginning of Helsing. Robocop. When Alucard like well also yes, also Robocop. <laughs> but except just... that that does kill Murphy though, is the thing. But in Helsing, like it doesn't kill Alucard, he just gets blown to pieces. He's like, Yeah, okay, cool. I'd like to pitch my Castlevania movie starring uh Peter Weller as Dracula. I bet he would be a really good Dracula. Oh, he would be great. Yeah. You know what's messed up? Just there... a... Oh. Hmm. What? I was going to say that there hasn't been a movie with Willem Dafoe as Dracula, but there was that movie where he played, like, he was supposed to be Max Shrek, um, like, during the filming of Nosferatu, except he was an actual vampire. Mm. You remember that? No. I need to look into that. It's called, like, Shadow of the Vampire, I think. That was a weird movie. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know you're fond of me wall chickens. <laughs> there are not enough wall chickens in this game. Um Yeah, so like Symphony 9 does some pretty interesting stuff. Like there's different magic spells that you can do that are triggered by putting in like fighting game inputs. Uh which I'm super good at so i barely use those at all in the two playthroughs i've i put in of this game um there's also like animal familiars and stuff like you can you get these like you have a sword that can just attack things automatically or like you can turn into a wolf so like they give you a ton of different like spells and abilities that you can use to approach the game however you want many of them are completely optional uh, some of them are required to progress, like the bat to be able to fly to higher areas you couldn't reach before, or the mist to go through like uh, bars that you otherwise could not pass through. But for the most part, a lot of the stuff they, they give you is entirely optional. Uh, there's an inventory system in it as well. Uh, so you're picking up goggles and glasses and different capes and stuff like that. And the thing that I find very neat about that is the cape at least changes on your actual like character model. Yeah, it changes color. That's cute. Yeah, well, one of them is, like, clear, which always makes me think that the emulator is fucking up. <laughs> um, um, and also, you have, like, but th different combinations of weapons do different things. Like, combining yeah. like shields and different rods or whatever will do stuff, which I wasn't aware of yeah. until way later. Yeah, you do, if you use it, like, uh, if you use that shield with a certain weapon, it summons a cow, and the cow gives you, like, a bunch of health items. Well, there's also like the shield rod or something that if you have that with the shield and you press both at the same time, it does something or something like that. But like, yeah. I, I wasn't even aware that you had like special moves until uh, a couple of years ago or something. But that's that's the thing that's neat about Symphony of Night, though, is there's so much stuff like that 
that unless somebody sits down and tells you about it or you read it in a guide, you would have no idea it's there unless you just chanced upon it. Right, because like, why would you be doing a Shoryuken motion in that yeah. game? In the So there's a Sega Saturn version of this game, which from my understanding is worse. Uh, because the way the Sega Saturn handled graphics, uh, like smooth inclines in the PlayStation 1 version become jaggy and uneven uh, uh, because it plays at a different pixel resolution. Also, I think we're the a trans- thing. Yeah. So, like, it uses dithering uh, in the Saturn version because that's... Like, the Saturn had actual transparency, just that it was really hard to figure out and not many video games used it. So in Symphony of the Night, it was like a dithering effect that they did. Um. But yeah, like it, it in general looks worse, but it lets you play as Maria, and Maria is busted in really interesting ways. If if you ever have time to watch a speed run of that game with Maria, it is completely fucking insane. Okay. Like it really well worth sitting down and watching that. Uh, unfortunately, you can't play as her in uh, the PlayStation version, although you can play as Richter, uh, and Richter's is a much more limited kind of playthrough because, of course, he can't get absolutely everywhere the way that uh alucard could but uh he's got like an infinite jump and stuff in it though it's it's weird um i i did do a playthrough of the game like that but i kind of just rushed to the end i didn't fully explore the map um but yeah like uh i think the lowest point though in symphony of the night is the inverted castle yeah not a fan you can tell that thing was not designed to be navigated upside down no, especially in the sense that like the map will not fill out correctly because yeah. it's still looking for you to touch certain parts of the floor which have now become the ceiling. I don't know that it's parts so, of like, the floor so much as um, it's like reaching that square or so of area, yeah. but even so, like, you, yeah, it's hard to get to those areas. In the caverns, it's definitely the floor. And I think okay. it might have been... So this is just me guessing, but I think it might have been a coding mistake where, you know, they may have inverted the detection for that stuff, but for whatever reason, the caverns did not invert properly, and so it's still defaulting to what the floor is. Uh, Because I got 100% map completion, and there was one block in the caverns that I could just not get. You had to, like, go through water, turn into the wolf, and keep rapidly changing between wolf and vampire form. So that would like gently bump your sprite up towards the ceiling. Yeah. And then you're able to touch it and trigger that last part of the map. Well, you can look get, up how to do that. You can get above 100%. Isn't it like um, 106 oh, or yeah. something? I think it's like 206 because it, it counts. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because it counts like 100% per map. But yes. But yeah. So like th- there's a. To get the true ending, you have to get these glasses from Maria that then lets you see Shaft, and then you know that Shaft is controlling Richter, who has now become the Lord of Castlevania. And doing so unlocks the Inverted Castle. The Inverted Castle sucks. It's just, hey, play through the entire game again, but it's upside down, and the enemies are bullshit hard and deal a lot of damage. And also navigating through this sucks, because like you said, Larry, it's very clear they did not design the game around that. Yeah, I mostly think of that one part where it's like a a r- big room full of stairs and there are like the bone dragons on it and stuff. I remember that part being really annoying in the Upside Down Castle. Yeah. Yeah. And yet I did it. Uh, but like, my recommendation if you were to play Symphony of the Night is don't worry about getting 100% completion in that inverted castle. Just try to go fight Shaft. 
you still have to explore to some degree because you need to collect the different parts of Dracula from the bosses that are in there. Yeah. Uh, and at least to the game's credit, they do have original bosses for the, the second half of that game. Um, outside of the doppelganger boss, which you end up fighting twice, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's Mr. Yeah, C. Like, you have to punch him with a screen glove. <laughs> uh. Like a Symphony of the Night a whole lot. I, I think that it is fascinating just how deep that game is, how much there is that you could totally skip past and not be aware of until you just kind of get told by somebody later on. Uh, Sega Saturn version has a bit where like if you sit down at a chair long enough your fairy starts singing you a song that's cute so it's just like yeah it's like little weird cute things like that for whatever reason that's not in the Playstation 1 version although if you stand around long enough she will sit on your shoulder and relax and then when you move she'll fall off and scream is there, is <laughs> which there, is still cute is there a reason to look through the telescope uh, you see the little boat man The fairy man is out there And that's, that's it. it? Okay That's it It's just a it's just a little cool thing that you could do And there's right. a lot of stuff in that game that is just like Here's a little neat thing that you could do that does not matter Like that hole Underneath the shopkeeper When you get the um, When you get like basically the shine spark That just lets you like jump straight up If you hit his chair Like 50 times Just a bunch of shit falls out of his jacket <laughs> he's just like okay. oh fuck and like he just drops a bunch of items for you to pick up that are like these super rare items that you can't get any other way in the game huh I didn't know that that's neat yeah it, it, Symphony and I is just full of stuff like that and, and that makes it very interesting to me I'm sure even after this playthrough there's a bunch of stuff I don't even know about still um, yeah I, Symphony and I is pretty good uh, there is a, a re-release that they did on that for the Xbox Yep, it's bad. What <laughs> the the it is. There is stuff that it does graphically that makes it a very poor emulation of that game compared to what you would just be able to get off like a PSX emulator. So I would not recommend that as the way you would go back and enjoy that game. Can I tell you something? Hmm. That's the only way I have ever played Symphony of the Night. Well, you've been playing it wrong this oh, entire time. It's fine. The the version of Symphony of the Night that's present in that like Rondo of Blood PSP thing, I think, is even actually more accurate than the Xbox one, if I remember right. Well, I don't care. I had a good time playing it. Here's so the thing, whatever. though, is that Rondo of Blood one, also they've completely redone the dialogue, so I would not recommend yes, that Yes, I, I do know that. Yeah. If it doesn't have what is a man in it, no thank you. Yeah. But like, like my point is, I think that Symphony of the Night would be well served by getting another re-release. They should on this generation put that out again and try to make a more accurate re-release. Of yeah, that. I mean, like, uh, Rondo came out on the Wii Virtual Console. I think that's yes. the only US release other than the PSP thing. Um, yeah, and if I remember right, that's a perfectly fine release of that thing. Yes. So what if uh, there was a virtual console on a modern uh-huh. console? Oh, you can. You well, can that would take too much time and money. I mean, you'd have to localize every single game and redo it, and that'd be very hard. And... <sighs> anyway, localized version of Fire Emblem One coming to <laughs> that's right online thing. We patched the wrong. We put it up on the eShop. Yep. 
Couldn't be bothered to put it on an actual cart and sell that, though. Just get the see-through thing for 50 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it comes with the art book and all that stuff. I actually think that thing, like, as a $50 package is pretty fairly priced. I'm I'm legitimately okay. surprised that they are not charging more money for that. Knowing Nintendo, I would think that they would put that all together and charge, like, $89. Yes, knowing Nintendo makes sense. Uh, anyway... Knowing uh, Nintendo... Oh. It it is it is even more shocking to me that it's fifty bucks and not sixty. That Nintendo would not just price that like a new release. Oh, uh, a new release like Pikmin Three Deluxe, which is coming out in a couple days for sixty dollars. Right. Uh huh. New game, Pikmin Three. Oh, uh, hey, Larry, they added stuff to it, so it's totally worth paying full price yes, for this. Yes, they added the DLC, game. which was probably like ten dollars, I think. Yeah. Last, last game, and then <laughs> and then we're done talking about Castlevania forever. No, we aren't. Even though, even though I love talking about Castlevania, it's my, I do it's not believe that for a second. One of my all, all time greats, Castlevania sixty four. <laughs> Remember earlier in this episode where I was like, oh, I think with like Simon's Quest, people are just like, oh, it's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be, and how that's bullshit. It's absolutely as bad as people make it out to be. Yeah. I'm one of the people who say that Castlevania 64 is not as bad as people make it out to be. Disagree. Okay. All right, here, I'll, I'll tell you what I remember okay. from Castlevania 64. One, skeleton on motorcycle. Two, Fucking a. carrying a bomb around, and it was really annoying. Mm-hmm. Three, mm-hmm. a part where you're in... Uh, this actually might be in Curse of Darkness, I think, but uh, a part where you're in a hedge maze and there is a Frankenstein with a chainsaw. And that's no, cool. Castlevania 64. Yeah. Okay. That also might be in Curse of Darkness. I think that might be the beginning, like, in that. Anyway, those are the three things I remember from Look, Castlevania man, 64. After that last time, Frankenstein, he was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm getting older. You know, yeah. this is really harsh on my back. You know, I, I, I love working here, though. I don't want to part ways with the company. Is there anything else that you could be having me do? And Drac is just like, you know, I got this hedge maze. It's in a bit of disrepair, but like I think you know, you got a great eye for this stuff. I've seen what you do with your garden at home. I love it. Take over the hedge mage. Do whatever you want with it. I expect great things from you. And he goes there. He doesn't. He makes a beautiful, lovely hedge mage. And then guess what? Fucking himbo shows up. <laughs> what the fuck? Here we go again. It, all right. Sick some dogs on him. He killed my dogs. He killed Frankenstein's dogs. Frankenstein grabs the only weapon he has available to him, the chainsaw that he used to lovingly craft this hedge maze that has just been torn asunder by this bird-brained himbo. And now he's back in it. He's back in the war, man. He's doing this again. <laughs> war never changes. Fuck? Oh, God. <laughs> so... Castlevania 64, I think, is a decent game that just has two really, really rotten levels in it. And those levels are the hedge maze level, because <laughs> the the dogs, they clamp you down, they freeze you in place, and Frankenstein can kill you in, like, two hits. And they rubber band to you, so you can only evade them for so long before they catch up with you again. And you're chasing this kid through it, and so, the like, the first few times, you're just trying to learn the path until you get it down. But the problem with this is, the only save point is at the very start of the level. So 
every time you die to this, even if you went and walked all the way back and made a save point before going into the hedge maze, it's just this really like long, dull trek back to get to the maze. This makes me think uh, of the part in Resident Evil 4 where you're in a hedge maze and there are dogs attacking you, and it makes me wonder. They're like, just as good. Yeah. Basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You got a demon that shows up and he's like, what are you buying? Then you buy a bunch of chickens off of them. Because you don't find them in walls anymore. It's messed up. Bullshit, yeah. Where do you store your chickens if not in walls? You buy them from a demon, and if you spend enough money on the demon, he takes your soul at the end of the game. Then you have a a boss fight with him. Yeah, Yeah, it's Will Will Forte. It's played by Will Forte, yeah. Um... He shows up with the idiot. He's like, I wet my pants. I'm going to need a new pair of pants. Which just re- references Tip and Eric a bit that I'm sure a lot of people don't remember anymore. That's um, fine. I mean, I know at least one person who listens to this uh, has not seen Twin Peaks. And so most of the I don't even know how you can. Yeah, I don't know that this podcast is even listenable unless you watch Twin Peaks. I don't think it is. It's like, you know, some people hard material. insist. Shout out to J.R. Oliver. So, watch Twin Peaks, you freak. Get with the conversation. That's right. Join us on social media. Get culture. Yeah. Uh, There's wall chicken on the percolator. Mm -hmm. Good, good one. Yeah, that was just for Jr. (laughs) Who will not give it? Um. What the fuck was I? Oh, right. The the other Mid-maze. bad level is the one with the bomb. Yeah. Um, because and 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 you a know this, but to to clue the audience into this, uh, you're in a uh, this is a fairly long level where you need to blow apart a wall and you need a mandragora and you need magic napalm, uh, two fantastically named items. Uh, you pick up the mandragora. It's what, totally fine. You put this little. Is, like, where do mandragoras come from? Like they're in a bunch of Japanese like RPGs and stuff. It's the things I don't even think they're Japanese in origin. No, I don't think so either. That's what I'm just saying. Like, why Japanese games in particular love Mandragoras? I'm not too sure because that's something that even popped up in like Sword of the Berserk was like Mandragoras played heavily into the plot of that game. Hmm. So like, yeah, I know I've I've totally seen them in a bunch of a bunch of Japanese media. Um, I don't know. But yeah, you need to pick up the Magicora. You put the Magicora down. The the problem comes with the napalm. Oh, here, here's you... why, I guess. Mm. Um, the names Autumn Mandrake and Mediterranean uh, Mediterranean Mandrake are often used. Uh, Mandrakes contain deliriant hallucinogenic tropane alkaloids, and the shape of their root often resembles human figures. So they've been associated with superstitious practices throughout history and long used in magic rituals uh, today also in contemporary pagan practices such as Wicca and heathenry. So that's why. Because they're hallucinogenic and their roots kind of look like people. Oh, sure. Like, the bit that confuses me... Sorry, I took a big drink of water while you were saying all of that. Uh Uh-huh. Um... What confuses me is specifically is uh, Japan's connection with it. Yeah. Not so much what the, if you'll pardon the pun, what the root of it is. Because uh, I didn't know to some degree what that all was, although it's been a while. Um, it's been a while. 
It's been a while. <sighs> oh god. Um, <laughs> the napalm. We need to talk about it. Remember the napalm bit in Resident Evil, which is something that, for some inexplicable reason, we keep bringing up. Sure. In the in the remake, you have to bring napalm over to like uh, unfreeze some room. I'm trying to remember exactly what it is. It's not super important, but point is, if you get attacked by enemies enough, it will blow up. If you move too quickly for too long of a period of time, it will blow up. If you attack too much, it will blow up. But the distance which you need to travel is not that great. And even though it places objects in your path that get you to be very, like, um, you know, it, it's being a very temperamental item and it's getting you to try to act and dodge things to pose that risk, it never feels too unfair like you can always get away with just enough and get there totally fine the napalm in castlevania 64 you can run with it but you can't jump you can't get attacked even once you'll blow the fuck up and the amount of like the amount of distance you have to travel is vast and they put a lot of really devious obstacles on that path as well and the worst one is these gears that you have to like slowly wind around and if you touch the side of the gears you blow up which makes no sense to me because the gears are also very slow moving i i don't like they move slower than you're able to run with the napalm so i don't i don't get it like i got to that point several times and blew up on it and was not understanding what was going wrong and i finally realized it's because i touched the gear hey, this is also um, weird to me because like why they picked napalm instead of like um nitroglycerin. I was trying to, trying to think of what it is. Yeah, sure. Like, Cuz napalm is not volatile in that way, right? Like it's just a gel. Like you have to like set it, it on fire for it to burn. I think that it might be. I'm not an explosives expert, obviously. I just mm. remember that one movie where they were climbing up the mountain with the nitroglycerin. And the whole thing was, oh, you oh, can't wait, disturb your nitroglycerin. Yeah, yeah. If you if you fall down this mountain, you're gonna blow yeah. up. Yeah, before nit- you hit the bottom. Nitroglycerin's like that, but I'm saying napalm yeah. isn't. So I don't sure. know why they picked that. But yeah, yeah. Okay. But like, I'm agreeing with you. Like my my concept of explosives, nitroglycerin. Oh God, nitroglycerin is the one that you have to be very careful with. Um, and again, it mostly goes back to that movie. That was like the first time I ever heard about nitroglycerin. Also, actually, uh, I don't he... know if that's even true or if that's something made up by movies. I think it is true, but it may be well, like not I mean, to the degree that movies would have you think. It's probably true because on Crash Bandicoot, you have the nitro boxes, and if you so much as touch those, they blow up. Yeah. So probably, yeah. I mean, nothing's more authentic than Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> this... To go back to the Borat stuff from forever ago. Borat. Did you read that thing recently about like why Kid Rock left Pamela Anderson? Nope. It was specifically because of the last sequence in Borat. Great. It was it was a staged thing. They finally revealed that this was like actually planned between her and <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, yeah. And that <laughs> Well that was, so that was they, a big they, reveal. They, they danced around that for a very long time. Like, they would not confirm that they actually had planned that out. 
I feel like anybody then, like, who's watching the thing would be like, oh, sure. obviously, like, if, if this guy yeah. had put a sack over her and it wasn't planned. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would be kidnapped. Yes, he, um, he would have charges filed against him. Yeah. Which in that interview, he like he was like, yes, of course it was staged because it would be kidnapping otherwise. But I think they danced around it for a very long time before that to try mm-hmm. to give it this air of authenticity. That it is all part of the same shtick of getting people to think it's real. Yeah. Um, But... Uh, he had like called or texted her or something and was just like, Hey, so what did your husband think of the, you know, the whole final bit? And she's like, uh, he sent me divorce papers. <laughs> I can't believe that Kid so, Rock would do something uh, irrational like that. Yeah. Right. Thought Kid Rock's got his head on. Apparently not. But like they didn't get more detailed, at least from what I could find about specifically what it was that set Kid Rock off about that. But he divorced Pamela over that sequence specifically. Well, great. Which is insane to me. And then, like, also apparently she lost part of her jawbone doing that. Like, a fan tried to intervene and knock Sasha Baron Cohen off of her, but it ended up causing her to, like, get hit in some way. And it cut part of the, like, part of the jawbone cracked or something and they had to remove it. Huh. Yeah. Weird. It was just messed up. It, yeah. it was uh, when rewatching that the other day. I, I did notice that the security people very gentle towards Borat. Uh, like, imagine if uh-huh. that had been a black person or something, uh, he yeah. probably would have just been shot immediately. Well, so the funny thing about it all too is they apparently did that sequence twice, and the first time the reason they had to redo it is nobody reacted at all to him <laughs> shoving her in the sack, so he was able to throw her over his shoulder and just run out of there. Great. And so they were like, well, that's unusable because we can't have Bo Red actually succeed in kidnapping Pamela Anderson. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, re- rewatching that too, I will say Pamela Anderson does a remarkably good job of selling that. Yeah. She yeah. seems like she is in genuine distress. Yeah. Having part of her jaw knocked off, though, probably helps. Uh, yeah. Also, I'm going to say probably for the better overall, not having to be involved with Kid Rock anymore. So, you know. Yeah. Thank Net you, positive. Thanks, Borat. Yeah. Yeah. Smile, pussycat. <laughs> Women have brains the size of squirrel. <laughs> Borat's still a really good movie. Yeah, it is. It turns out. Like, that, that dinner uh, party scene was better than I remembered, honestly. <laughs> yeah. It was still great. It is, it is such a good movie that we would rather talk about that than talk about Castlevania 64, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. we need to get through Castlevania 64. So, like I said, it's just these two levels that I think are particularly rotten. The rest of the game, I think, actually controls remarkably well for a early 3D action platformer. When you consider that the other stuff that was out at the time was things like Tomb Raider, which tried to control, like, a survival horror game, but still make you do, like, platforming puzzles. Yeah. Like, Castlevania 64 controls way fucking better than Tomb Raider. And yet people love Tomb Raider and they hate Castlevania 64. Just Castlevania of, 64, I th- it's better than Tomb Raider. Just think about that part where he makes the guy read the telegram saying his wife is dead. <laughs> <laughs> it gives him a high yeah, five. It gives him a high five, yeah. <laughs> As Matt just jerking off to that Baywatch magazine. Oh, yeah. And the shoving his balls and Sasha Baron Cohen's face. Yeah, um, I that's actually so that, that that's the part that I wonder, like how they avoided 
like going to jail for that Especially yeah, because that, that... apparently everybody must have signed a release for it Because you can see all their faces Yeah I don't know That whole sequence I had totally forgotten that there was a like convention in that hotel that they ran through Oh yeah I thought they just ran through the lobby I completely forgot about the convention The guy in the elevator also just like staring to the head <laughs> Yeah just the quick they pan over and he's just staring away from them Yep It's really good Um Castlevania 64. <laughs> yes, Castlevania 64. Get through this. Uh, I think when you compare it to other, like its contemporaries, it controls remarkably well. I think it's actually a pretty good looking game for the Nintendo 64. Like, there's not a lot of fog to obscure the draw distance in that game. The animations are pretty nice for a Nintendo 64 game on top of that. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's coming uh, back. Bor- yeah. Borat's back, just like Borat's John McClane. Just like Die Hard. It's ba- Borat needs a battery for his car. Borat, John McClane, this teaming is what, up for a battery commercial would be amazing, actually. Th- this is what happens when a podcast goes on for two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, no, it's been that long? Yes. Wrap this up. Castlevania 64. Uh, it's okay, I guess. I don't know. It plays better than other games similar to it at the time but also man it's still like one of those games at the time so it's not good it's not great uh it's just sort of okay uh i'm gonna rank the castlevanias real quick that's gonna be how we rate these things number one rondo blood number two castlevania four uh number three is bloodlines uh symphony of the night as number five uh, Castlevania 3 is number 6 Number 7 would be Castlevania Chronicles uh, Number 8 would be Castlevania 64 And then 9 would be Castlevania The Adventure And finally, dead last, Castlevania Dracula X Okay Anyway well, That's it for this week They don't make Castlevania games anymore So the Himbos finally won you never played Lords of Rest Shadow, of did you? No. No, I have not. I know Patrick Stewart's in it, and I guess like yeah. the Belmont you play as becomes Dracula or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's messed That's up. That's the, the big reveal at the end. Because so. he's like, yeah. I am Dracul, and it's like in the <gasps> present day. You're like, oh, oh no. man, that's cool. I wonder what they're doing the oh. sequel, and then the sequel's terrible. Oh shit, beep beep, honk honk, there's cars outside, Dracula's yep. in modern times That's right, like that, well, that is a good anyway. reveal at the end Yeah But then it's completely squandered well, If you stuck it through to the end of this podcast, the longest that we've ever done What's wrong done. with you? I don't think this is the yes. longest actually uh, Well, thank you, maybe we release this in two parts <laughs> No Maybe we fart the last part of this out on Halloween night no. Mm, okay. It's just a three hour podcast, I guess. But I yeah, appreciate sure, it if you listen to the end of, of me just rambling on about uh Borat and Castlevania. Um I didn't know we were gonna have thirteen sentinels talk. I thought it was gonna be all Castlevania. <laughs> there wasn't much of it though. I didn't it's talk about thirteen sentinels. <laughs> I can't believe you went on about that's, thirteen sentinels. That's why I said like we need, to, of this podcast. we need to start <laughs> Retro Corner. 
because I knew it was going to be a long one. And then like we had to talk I about thought, Die Hard. I thought you weren't going to do Symphony of the Night and on. I thought no. it was just NES, SNES, no. Rondo. It was all of them. All of them. All the Castlevanias. I wanted to get them done in one big batch, one big blowout mega episode. So that's it. Uh, Spooktober is over. Uh, we'll be back next week for the, the the week before the new consoles, right? Yep. This will go up Thursday, and then, yep. yeah, we'll do one. That, oh, wow. All right. So one more podcast until the new systems are out. Yep. So goodbye, dinosaurs. Wow. Between a boy and man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She was 17 Very and she nice. was far from in between. It was summertime in northern Michigan. Don't look at me like that. I will eat your shit. <laughs>